Hey, this is Sam Whitworth. I play Davis Bloom, aka Doomsday, on Smallville, and you are listening to the Always Hold On to Smallville podcast. Always on the Smallville. In this podcast, we talk about each and every episode of the Young Superman show that ran from 2001 to 2011 on the WB and the CW. I'm your host, Zach Warren. Joining me this time from the Krypton Report podcast, Tyler Patrick. What's up, Tyler? Hey, Zach. Good to be back, buddy. Absolutely. You are here again in season eight. You were back a few episodes back when we talked about what episode? Identity, was it? I think so. Yeah. I think so. It gets, in all honesty, the one word titles sometimes gets a little hard to remember which one they are. Well, this such... <clears throat> absolutely, man. Because, I mean, we're talking about Beast this week, but I feel like Beast could have been Eternals <laughs> title a couple of episodes ago. Like, we're in this interchangeable area of titles. Just It's like the end of season four when it's like uh, forever. Yeah. And uh, Ageless. Or Doomsday. Yeah, it's like, it reminds me of this Eternal, right? At least, like, Come on, y'all. And I know it's hard because it's season eight, but that you did this to yourselves with the one word titles. <laughs> they were like, uh, guys, we uh, we put ourselves on the hold. We should have uh, not done this. You're the running out of titles, especially considering that with all this talk of Doomsday coming, uh, he never turns into Doomsday, really. He gets the eyes and he gets, gets mad. We'll, we'll talk about a little bit of uh, them just expanding his powers here at the end of the episode, but they, they oh, and everything he does is off screen in stiletto, which is yes. effective, but it's off screen. So it's like if they're, try, if they're trying to build like, oh, no, it's happening more often on these things like it's it's the, the dread is not there. Right. It, I, I think at this point, because we are in we're in the home stretch here for season eight. And, and I got to tell you, it's these episodes. You know, they're not they're not good. Um, They're frustrating. But in a lot of ways, they are still entertaining to watch, in my opinion. That's where I am with the late season eight episodes. Yeah, I agree. I think part of it's because I really like Sam as an actor. I think he has a certain charm, a certain presence when he does anything that just helps with the material. You're just like, okay. You just you just kind of go with it. Yeah. They're, I mean, we're so far down the characters making choices that I disagree with. It's like, well, those have already been made. Here we are. Oh no. I mean, (laughs) their choices are just like, it's almost as bad as like, you know, when you were watching arrow and Oliver's like, Oh, I learned from this mistake. Watch me make it again in three seconds. Right. It's like Clark. He paved the, he paved the road originally as watch me keep making the same bad choices over and over. Well, I mean, you say Clark, I say Chloe, Chloe, who, I was in love with Chloe and she was one of my favorite characters watching the show. And, you know, watching back, man, it's, it's a bad look for Chloe. Like Chloe, the, the, she she did some unforgivable betrayal of Jimmy a couple oh, episodes poor, ago. Poor, poor Jimmy. 
And then she does some even more unforgivable Petrilla Clark in this episode. It's like it's a it's a bad season for Chloe, I think. Oh, it, it totally is. And I, I just I feel bad for Jimmy. Like this episode is well, don't feel bad for him. Oliver gave him a new job. I can't wait to see what happens <laughs> next season. <laughs> yeah. That he had to fix. He had to fix his car. That's so good. All right. Well, there's so much we're gonna get into and talk about here. But I will say, I this rewatching it like this kind of confirms for me that they killing off Henry James Olsen was a last minute decision because this is like they're setting up an Oliver Jimmy friendship here to continue on into the next season where he has a job and he works for him, right? Because these are characters that had I don't know if they had, had a scene together by themselves up until this episode. Tyler, I don't think so. Amy Jim is like, I thought we could be friends. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I guess you've been around for three years. Both of you had. They both showed up in season six. And I was like, this is, if you look at how these TV shows work, this is like, this is his plot for next season, y'all. Right? That's yeah, what they're, yeah. but instead they're like, ah, let's change his name and kill him off. And that's where we are because it really sets something up here. And I had forgotten that part. And part of me was like, oh, well, this is why Oliver takes his death so hard, too, in, in, in Doomsday. And I'm like, okay, because they had literally just, become friends but anyway but we're in that range now where i'm looking for any kind of like i'm looking for anything to kind of hold on to to kind of like momentum or or anything to go into the 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 season finale and and that just really stuck out to me like oh well, this is a clear in in tv language you're you're pairing up these two characters to have like uh, a friendship partnership the following season and establishing like we got him out of his drug thing and now he's gonna be oliver's assistant and we'll That'll probably end at some point, and he'll get a job back at the Daily Planet, and that's where you think they're setting up Henry James Olsen. <laughs> but yeah. it is it is not to be. He he's only got two episodes left. So my question is, when do you think or do you remember they got the renewal for season nine in production? That it, like- to my understanding, and I don't know. If this is a combination of me reading things on Krypton Side or, or becoming friends and talking to Craig Byrne over the years from Krypton Side. Tom Welling signed an extension for two years, like at the eleventh hour. Like it was really late in the game. Like there was there was a time where they thought Doomsday was going to be the series finale, and they had to scramble and rewrite it at the last minute to make it not that. And that's why that's why I'm kind of leaning is that because is that why they went with the death? They're like we need something emotional, some big hook. I I can tell you a big hook. uh, How about a Clark Kent Doomsday fight? (laughs) Here's a hook for you, right? But think about think about think of where we are now though. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about Jimmy being like an assistant to Oliver Queen, who who co-owns Luther Corp with Tess Mercer, by the way, who we've never established. We have yet to establish that she's Lex's sister, right? And yeah. then Lex is Boy, dead. Was... And like to 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 think that through, we are two episodes away from a potential series finale of this show. Right? Like say what you will about season ten. It has its ups and downs. But they were clearly like counting down towards the Superman status quo. It took them way too long and they didn't even really pay it off when they really wanted him to. But look, they, they were, there was a clear course, but this to feel like we could have been two episodes away from the end here. Right. Oh, it would have been rough. Or if they, if something had happened and they, they ended doomsday and then they were like, show's canceled. <laughs> and you're like, what, what happened to Clark? <laughs> there, there's no way they were going to cancel it. I mean, it was still doing well enough yeah. for 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 them at the time like there's all these all these asterisks by that uh but you know it, it was just it was a small was a very successful very popular show at this point supernatural had overtaken it uh but small the brand of smallville was still extremely strong then 
and th- and I think that would led to it. And also, you know, and I'll say this um, as we kind of wrap up our pregame here, the reasoning of, of Tom Welling keeping the show going. People were like, "Ah, eh, what are you doing extending this prequel to Superman so long?" Right? But Tom Welling's talking about. It. He's like, "Look, if I if if I quit or leave, then all these people lose their job." Like yeah. this, I mean, it's it's that's it's so true. Like you think about like the quote unquote artistic integrity of of ending a show on a high note, but then you think about like all the people who work on the cameras and the sets and the makeups and all that. Like that is an entire, and they've become like a family by that point, working there yeah. for almost a decade. So like that that kind of definitely, as I understand it, that factored into Tom's decision as well to to keep the show going. And and I think to its strength because Smallville it it, it lasted just long enough to kind of pull up from the from the nosedive it had been going into and it's unfortunate because season seven was frustrating and the first half of season eight was so strong and the second half season eight is so frustrating i you know i don't even know we'll we'll see where i where i put season eight in my season rankings by the end of it but to to think that again to think that where we are right now this this episode we're gonna talk about tonight could have been two episodes before the end of the series is pretty crazy to think about it is crazy and I'm glad, I mean, like you just said, Smallville lasted, I think, where it needed to last. We've talked about over and over, you and I, how there's the definitive chapters on Smallville. And I think it works to its strength because I look at other shows that are kind of wrapping up and <clears throat> I'm not pointing the finger at you, Flash, but this final, final, the big final run of Flash oh, is, man, yeah. has not been good. I am, <laughs> I am watching it. Uh, because it's the end, right? And like right. with Arrow, I came back and sat down and watched it, and I, I, I got, I got a whole appreciation for some of Smallville's later seasons. <laughs> watching I, this, I agree. You know, and you were talking about how, like, season ten, at least season ten respected the show and the character, and like said, this is the end. We're gonna give it everything and put what we've been waiting for in it. The Flash, I, I sadly, has not been good this. I season. mean, they're giving, they're giving Barry and Iris like a couple weeks off in a row. <laughs> Yeah, like I mean, we should be building towards something here, and not having these filler episodes of supporting characters that we nobody cares about anymore. Like if this had been like a season two or three when you had Cisco and you know characters you loved, you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, you this- almost said Caitlyn, didn't you? But then you remember that they're on their third Caitlyn. <laughs> yeah, they're on their third Caitlyn. <laughs> Unbelie- unbelievable, unbelievable that they spend so much time on that. So anyway, so let's just say. Say what you will about Smallville Season 8. <laughs> I think it's better than a lot of the Arrowverse, right? And I love the Arrowverse, and I appreciate it for what it is. But, man. Oh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. But, Tommy, you know, before we jump into it here, because there are there there are several deleted scenes here, not, not as many as there were in Hex, which were ridiculous, like six minutes of deleted scenes. There are about four minutes or so of deleted scenes of Beast. Uh, which, which again, is a lot when your episodes are like forty-two minutes, right? To have to have four minutes of deleted scenes, so and, and they they add up to to three total. It's kind of mm-hmm. like one and then another one, kind of split into two, honestly. Yeah, uh, which weird. is interesting because it's like a obviously that would have been a commercial break, so we can like talk about where they fit in, and that's why like I like talking about when there's more than one deleted scenes. I like talking about them like kind of before we jump in, so we're gonna be like, I think this is where it fit. I don't know, right? So and and as I've been doing, right, I've been talking to the guests beforehand, be like, hey, let's watch the deleted scenes so we can converse about them, and it's not just me being like, well, I know you didn't watch it, but on the DVD, <laughs> so we can actually have a conversation about it. So there are three deleted scenes of this episode, uh, and the first one. A very long scene, and I think a, like a good scene, and I, and I wish they would have, 
incorporated it and almost like I, I they could have they could have I think the idea of this scene was to kind of parallel the the dream sequence at the beginning, but like when you remove one, the other one kind of sticks out as weird. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit, but this scene is is it's not a dream, <laughs> it's not a nightmare. It's 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 Davis in the basement, and um he's going through Chloe's old Wall of Weird articles, and they have like this cute flirting bonding moment here over this Tyler. Yeah, because he, he even says. About Clark, he says, were you and Clark ever, you know, like a hot item or something? And oh, this, she, so this is what he says. Did you ever share more than a byline? And yeah. she says, nothing that would make page one. I'm like, you know what? That's a pretty, <laughs> pretty good answer. That's a great Chloe response. Because she, she's taking that journalism joke that he made to her and, and putting it back on him. Because any logical person would see these two people who have been like, you know, like, joined at the hip since freshman year of high school. I'm like, so what's, what's the deal with y'all? So it's a logical question. The thing that I like in this scene is it's, it's Davis telling Chloe that there is him kind of admitting there is no cure for himself, that she's what he needs. And he puts it all back on her without being the over dramatic that we later see with the episode. Don't have to be with her. Yeah. yeah. It's more, it's more just like, I have you, I'll be okay. It's like, and she's like, it's this more lighthearted way of saying that having you around, I'll be okay. Compared to like you said later when it's just like, Chloe, I need you next to me at all times. Weird, man. I, I, yeah. And you do, you still, you do still kind of feel sorry for him here, right? Because he's like, he's tried everything. He he doesn't want to see doctors because he's afraid of like being put in a cage. And he's absolutely correct. That's, that's, that's a legitimate fear if you're him, right? She, she has a really weird line in this deleted scene where she says, "When when I saw you being killed by that meteor rock, it was like it was like it was killing a part of me." I'm like, "Whoa, Chloe, that's that's a weird melodramatic thing to say." That's like the line that you say out of desperation to like win them on your side <laughs> when you know that they're like turning to kill you or you're in trouble and you're trying to like flip them around. No, nah, baby, I love you. Yeah. When that rock was hurting you. It's killing me, man. Um, the, the, the thing is, I'm not sure where this scene would have taken place. I think they might have done like a pickup shot with the water bottle with Dr. Hamilton later because when he says, because she references Dr. Hamilton, not by name, thank like you. I talked to a that's, doctor. That's yeah. what I thought. And, you know, I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, this would have gone after the Dr. Hamilton scene. But then I was like, as it went on, I was like, wait, would this have been before? No, it wouldn't have been before. And she takes the bottle, and I'm like, okay. So I'm not sure when it would have fallen in. Like, it, it's um, possible. It's and I've seen this happen in in, in episodes before. <laughs> I think I'm trying to think back. Was it uh, the one the one where Lex is like running for senator? Uh and there, and I always forget the name of it. It's like, is it, is it lockdown? No, it's there's, I, and this is a joke too. I can never get these right. There's, there's lockdown and another one. Is, <laughs> and it, down lo- is it down lock? No, 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 no. It's, it's before reckoning. And it's the one where like the, uh, the, the, they're at the college and the girl shaves her head. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. What's that one called? I, I'll be honest. They all start <laughs> to run together after a while. Like, this is not, exactly what we're talking about with the titles, right? <laughs> if it's not something that's definitive, like run. Or aqua, you know, where it's oh, so man. it's so pure to what the happens in the episode. After a while, I just start forgetting which one's which. I can't believe I can't remember this. Uh, this is this is this is gonna bother me until, until I. 
All right, it'll come to be. But anyway, there's deleted scenes in that episode that takes place in the college and all this stuff. And it's clearly like they don't fit with anything else. And I feel like it's some fanatic. That's what it is. Thank you. <laughs> fanatic. I, there's scenes that don't really fit with the episode is. And I think what they might have done is like they filmed some stuff and they changed their minds somewhere in there. And then they're like, ah, okay, well, we'll add this here. We won't do that, and we're fine, right? Yeah. So clearly this scene was shot with, the, with like, the idea that she had talked to Dr. Hamilton beforehand. And then they thought, oh, no, this episode's going too long. And they hadn't shot the Dr. Hamilton scene yet. So, like, you know what? Just have her give him the water bottle then, and then we won't worry about it. Because at the end of this, the scene, you know, when, when Dave is like, no, no, I don't want to see doctors, Chloe, like, sees he's got, a, like, a water bottle and, and, and takes it. And obviously he's going to use that to, to give to Dr. Hamilton. But then... In the scene, she says, I talked to a doctor, right? Yeah. Past tense. But she's clearly telling him about Davis the first time when they actually have their scene in the episode. So there you go. That That's my theory. That they, like, change gears you. somewhere in I'm, there. I'm with you. I laugh when she's like, he's got a PhD in uh, aliens and all this. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not something you can get a PhD in no. yet. Um, that's just, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, yeah. I think it is smart though. Is, it, is I think this is the most he's Doctor Hamilton's actually been in an episode so far because like they really like subtly introduce him in in uh, Bulletproof. You know, he almost has nothing to do. And then when he when he casted a guy like Alessandro Giuliani, who I know best from Battlestar Galactica, I was like, oh, you're gonna get this guy some something to work with, you know, something to do. And he's like, he has nothing to do. And then he, you know, as the show continues, his, his he grows in prominence. But but I think this was his biggest episode yet so far. So anyway, all I have to say, that's the first deleted scene. I I, I liked it for some reasons and didn't like it for others. And uh, but it just it just they weren't they didn't, there wasn't time for it because it's actually quite a lengthy scene between the two of them. Here's a thought: uh, delete that dream sequence. <laughs> Put this way, right? And we'll we'll talk about that. We will talk yeah. about the dream sequence. Now, the, uh, there are two more deleted scenes, but they're both part of a, the same scene, okay? So it's, it's Chloe uh, getting pulled over by, by the FBI, of all people. And, and by that the way, did, weird. it was weird, right? But I think it had to do with like the, how Tess had put out the headlines, and you know, the, the, uh, the, 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 uh, Tate Davis is like a, a wanted man, you know? The, the cornfield killer? Yeah. It's like that? I hey. totally forgot he had a name like that. I think that's actually kind of a neat name, especially when you live around a bunch of cornfields. Like just hearing that, like, oh, the cornfield killer. Yeah. And then you're driving around, like, because I mean, if I walk, okay, so if I walk out my front door and turn left and I walk into the street, uh, here in a couple months, that at the end is going to be a completely huge cornfield. I walk, you know, take the mile down there. There's massive cornfield farmland. So just having that name, the cornfield kill- killer, sounds creepy. It is. Like, you, there'd be a podcast about the cornfield killer. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some kind of. D- I'm picturing more Netflix like the scarecrow, or or that monster thing in the episode of Supernatural in season one, the Harvest one. Yeah, you expect some sort of corn, children of the corn <laughs> style, like the scythe. Scythe, exactly, exactly. Right. But anyway, I, I think that's why the FBI was like, because like, he's been outed, quote unquote, as a, as a serial killer at this point. They pull Chloe over and they they want to ask her a few questions about Davis Bloom, and I I think this would have been a cut to commercial. I agree right? because, because like the, like you know, I'm watching it and the scene and the, she rolls down her window, right? And they're like, "Can we, you know, want to talk to you?" And then it goes black. It's like, "Okay, that was a short, odd scene." And then it comes back and she's outside the car, responding to a question yeah. that we never heard answered. It's a continuation, and it, and that's how these commercials. So I don't even like 
the, the structure of this episode got thrown off somewhere. I don't even know where exactly these would have gone, but uh, I, presumably on the way from, from her leaving Metropolis to getting back to the Talon uh, too late, right? That, 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 that where I thought they would go. But did you, did you recognize this, this FBI agent? He looked familiar. So he is in Infamous, this actor and this character. So, so, so Michael Rogers plays Agent Black. And I thought, oh, this is kind of cool because Infamous, like, you know, you reset the timeline and stuff. And then that guy never, in that timeline, that guy is investigating Clark as an alien. But in this timeline, he's investigating Davis being a serial killer. I'm like, oh, that's a kind of cool cyclical thing. Uh, he's still credited, like, on IMDb, but he doesn't appear in this episode, obviously. And this would have been his only other Smallville appearance. But, like, as government FBI guy, I, I thought that's a pretty cool little bit of continuity, right? Uh, also, like everybody else, uh, he was in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, anyway, played the character Brooks, who I don't really remember. Was he in uh, Supernatural? I, you know what? Let hmm. me look. Um, oh, he will. <laughs> Hey, he wasn't a he wasn't Arrow. Huh. He was he was Sergi in Arrow in in season two. Keep your enemies closer. Wow. Uh, let's see. He was in Fringe, Bates oh, Motel. There he is. Supernatural. He played Gluttony. Oh, okay. And he, in season, season five, three, three, oh, season three. And he also played another character oh, called he... Irv in season nine. So, so season three would Gluttony would have been in like one of the early episodes when they released the Seven Sins as the demons. There you go. You That's would know like more than anybody. One. So <laughs> that'd be like episode one or two of season three. I haven't watched it in a long time. He was yeah, that two that killed me. The hundred. Oh, you you know all those actors make their way around the scene. Blacklist. He was in the blacklist. He, oh, he was in Supergirl. <laughs> he was in one episode of Supergirl season two. He played uh, Hannibal. So oh, was it? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. He's also in this show, a one episode of the show called Agent X. And I want to watch this show. <laughs> I've heard about this, right? It's Agent X. And I want to watch it because John Shea from Lois and Clark, who played, you know, Lex Luthor, yep. he's the president of the United I'm States in. in that show. I want to watch any show where a Lex Luthor actor plays the president. <laughs> and it actually, it actually stars Sharon Stone as the vice president. Uh, James Earl Jones is a guest star. Like it's out. Like I'm gonna watch this show, and it's one of these, you know, uh, one season shows. But anyway, okay, all that this crazy rabbit hole we just fall down. But anyway, I thought it was interesting. Even crazier if on Supergirl and on Arrow he was Agent in Black. <laughs> so what if like, he just like this, <laughs> like like this little thing that if you're a huge nerd and you watch all these shows, he just plays the same person in everything. He would have been and the he, munch <laughs> from Law and Order showing up on all the shows. The the, the, the small version of that. Um, but the, the crazy rabbit hole we've fallen into. But anyway, the, the point of this FBI agent was like, hey, this guy called you 10 times in one day. You got to have some connection, right? She's like, no, Davis and I are just friends. Which is like the whole premise of this episode, by the way. Like, Chloe be like, oh, Davis and I are just friends. Um, interesting what the guy says, though. He's like, I know a lot of women like you. They, they fall for the wrong guy, and they always think they can change them. And they're always wrong. I was like, this guy's 100% correct, right? He is. And that's why I think... In a way, this could have worked. It's a lot of foreshadowing. It's a lot of people telling Chloe, "You're this is not going to work. You have to have a better solution. And nope, she doesn't listen. Should have listened to Agent Black, Chloe. Would have been a lot better off. So, there are deleted scenes. Let's jump into it then. Beast. I would do anything for you. You can save me, but you may be the only one. Where's Chloe? What 
Let's leave Smallville. You don't know anything about us. Davis and I are gone. I don't want you to find us. Smallville. All new episode next Thursday at 8, 7 central. Beast is the 20th episode of Smallville's 8th season. It aired on April 30th, 2009. It was written by Genevieve Sparling and directed by Michael Roll. So, Tyler, I don't know if you remember, but here in season eight, we're doing the ratings watch. Yeah, these yeah. Episodes. And for a little context, right, Beast, as I said, came out April 30th. That is one week after Stiletto, so there's no big break or anything. Stiletto got 3.1 million viewers and for a little more context way back in september 2008 odyssey the season's premiere odyssey the season premiere got 4.34 million viewers so where do you think we are one week after stiletto one week after 3.1 million 2.9 so you think we went down i i think so because i feel like stiletto is not like the strongest episode because it's one of those episodes i've seen but i never really like remember it because i always just thought the whole thing was kind of eh. your, your um, logic is sound you know in my memory i was like this is one of the worst episodes of the show then i watched it, i'm like eh, it's fine it's just like a lois and clark episode in the middle of small for some reason but uh your logic is sound tyler but you would be incorrect because that ratings actually went up and it's 3.23 so i feel i feel like this episode is better like i i would want it to but you know a lot of times you have a bad episode and then the one that falls after it you know exactly. goes down because people last week are like, i don't want that was that's horrible. what you base it off of like the previous week it's the gauge right but, but no we're, we're 3.23 uh and then hey spoilers because i know <laughs> our next guest won't hear this before they record their episode yes it, it goes up it keeps yes. going up it should because we're building yeah. i mean but we are building to the end you know yeah. and sometimes it helps and we'll go back to the flash here. Like they have promoted next week's episode after this three episode slump they were in. So the ratings are going to shoot up tomorrow as we record this mm-hmm. because it's the big return of a certain character. So I don't know what the marketing was like. You know, you shift the focus back to Davis with this episode and a big fight that might draw people back in. Like, okay, well, that looks better than last week. So. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Stiletto, that was the lowest rated episode of the season. So there you go. But that's coming after Eternal, which is a very frustrating episode, which in its own right. So there you go. There you go. Those are all your ratings and your factors and all that. But uh this episode starts out and Tyler, did you remember that this was a dream sequence? I did. Um I did not. <laughs> I did because my okay, my wife really likes watching Smallville with me, but she prefers the latter seasons because she likes Lois a lot more than she likes what they did with Lana. So it seems like a lot of times when she watches it with me, we find ourselves in those seasons. And I really, like I said, I really like Sam and his performance. So I'd seen this a little bit more. Um, but yeah, this this dream sequence, uh, it has a shot in it that I'm very surprised in some ways I got away with at the time. The one at the, the very end? The one at the very yeah. end? Okay, yeah, cool. Well, let, let, let's, let's, let's work up to that, right? So we have... What you feel by Chris Levy play, and they, and they play this 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 song bookends the episode, right? It's at the beginning and the end. It's a pretty good song. It's it's like classic Smallville. It's been a while since we had one of these. Uh, I don't know. It never it didn't really leave an impression with me. If, if it had been if this song had been like season one or two or three, I feel like I would have downloaded it online and put it on a yes. CD. You know what I'm saying? But, because most of those songs in season one and two and three, I have. 
or had at the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. it would come on. I was like, I already got that in my list. I already have that CD. 100 Years by Five for Fighting? Oh, it's so good. Anyway, but it, it really, it sets the tone, right? Because uh, Chloe gets a, a phone call from Davis. Oh, can you come downstairs? All right. And uh, she got downstairs. By the way, did you notice these these posters, like Lobo posters? Yeah. Like, I'm like, was was that supposed to hint at like it's not real, or is it just kind of like maybe someone will catch this, maybe they won't. No, because those are really there. They're in the deleted scenes too. So it's like they're, they're, I guess it's okay, just some kind yeah. of reference to Lobo. Lobo, a character I'm actually kind of surprised Smallville never did. Like just some punk guy on a motorcycle with a leather jacket. Like, come on, like yeah. Look at how they I'm, translated so many other characters. That's an easy one to translate. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, kind of like how they did him on Krypton. Like, it just seems like for like a one-off, kind of like a like Maxima, like how they did her. That's like exactly what I was thinking. Like, if you yeah. if you ever brought Maxima back for some reason, maybe it's because the DCAU I'm thinking this, but like the Lobo Maxima connection. But if you ever brought her back, what do you do? Hey, throw a Lobo in there, right? Yeah. I mean, that's you're running ideas in season ten. You're doing stuff like the the Hangovers, so you get it on a Lobo episode. Anyway. She goes on there and it's so romantic. There's rose petals and candles. And there's like a thousand candles, Tyler. <laughs> it's gonna be so hot in there. <laughs> but I do I actually at the was kind of cute where she's like, I don't remember there being any roses or candles down here. He's like, Well, it's because there wasn't. He's like, Davis, I told you you can't be going out, right? So I was careful. Ooh. So I mean <laughs> it, it checks out. Like I really I had, did not remember this being a dream sequence. So I was like, Well, this this is kind of creepy, but it totally checks out what this guy's doing, right? Yeah. But uh, they start talking about friends. Like, well, this is friends. Friends help each other out, right? Right? Friends, yeah. right? All these friends talk. That's how I hang out with my friends. <laughs> but then, then he said, remember, this is Chloe's dream. And he says something about, like, it's like when we first met, and there was, like, chaos and smoke. But for a moment, right, it was just clarity. It was you and me. And I was like, okay, that, that's creepy. But it checks out. He would say this. But this is Chloe's dream, Tyler. Why would she think this? I put in my notes after this. That's a lot to unpack. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, there's also the quote, without you, the man I want to be doesn't exist. That's a good quote, though. Like, I should use that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so all you yes. single guys out there, use that line. I'm sure that would go very well for you. But, but it's true, though. It's actually true in his case. It, it is. But that's one of those lines that could be taken as a positive or as a negative that's true like we go into full like psychopath territory stalker dude within this episode with him for sure but then they they kiss and it's it's a very heavy makeout session i remember I, I had forgotten this happened but watching the promos like this was in a promo or something i'm like damn i didn't have, I remember davis and chloe getting like hot and heavy like that but again this is a dream and it's a pretty intense makeout session i think but then what is chloe c tyler she sees blood. So, of course, Chloe, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> and there's in your own dream, you're telling yourself you're wrong. This is your subconscious trying to help you. Right? But it's a crazy like reveal. Like, I don't know, in the boiler room or whatever of the of the talent. Right. So it's a crazy real. She 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 follows this trail of blood. She pulls this tarp back. And what do we see? We see half of Clark hanging up. It's like his chest, his head, the legs are like his midsection torso is gone. There's like it's like just the fleshy part hanging in blood and the S on his like painted on his chest like the scarecrow. 
It it's so really for, first of all, it's a very intense image. Like you said, I, I am a little surprised that they got, got away with this at you know seven o'clock central on the CW in yeah. two thousand nine. But secondly, did they have like a prop of Clark from the pilot laying around and they decided to use for this? Like it's it's strange to me like they would choose this particular image because it's like the with the S painted on his chest. It's so iconic. You know, I have the poster hanging in my office back here. It's like it's literally that image. It's that just like plastered onto like the the pipes or something, right? And it's 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 a really strange choice, I think, to call back to that pilot image. Make, that's what makes me think it's like a leftover prop or something. Well, I was, I mean, yeah. It also makes me wonder, like, the clothes never saw him like that. Yeah. Okay, dang. See now, like, I'm digging even more because <laughs> I didn't even think about it because I was like, you know, if they were. If they were gonna, you know, really try to hammer in like the imagery of like good and evil, because you know, him on the scarecrow was kind of like the whole cross crucifixion kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like this is like, but yeah, it's so quick, and she didn't even seem like yeah, that's just weird. I think it was it was it's one of those things. I think they just threw out there for shock value, but they didn't really think it through. Yeah, but, and it's 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 self referential. But it has no place being self-referential. Like, well, like right. Clark can remember. Clark can have a nightmare like this. Like, yeah. I'm fine with Clark because he experienced that. And that would be a horrible thing that he remembered and what happened. But like to have her, she doesn't have this poster. She doesn't see this image. Yeah, <laughs> it's so strange. But anyway, it. But it, it, look, it's very shocking, very effective. And then it's the trope of like, you know, her waking up again. Like, you know, even though it, you know, it's, it's kind of like the double, it's not quite the double nightmare thing. Cause she wasn't asleep yet, but she was going to sleep at the beginning of this quote unquote, you know, yeah. dream. So there you go. And then she wakes up like, <gasps> and then we cut to the opening credits and that shit. It's look, it's an effective beat. It just doesn't make logical sense when you start thinking about it. It, it makes me think that it's somebody who came in and I, I see this a lot with supernatural in the later seasons where they got new writers who, don't know the show as strongly and they just they have scenes kind of like this like references or callbacks that never really that when you stop and think don't exactly make sense if you know the show's mythology in itself but they might not know because they're like they just got hired as a writer so they're like oh that's just that great image let's 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 look at let's look at Genevieve Sparling's track record on Smava let's see she has seven episodes that she's written on the show And she's got uh, Progeny, which is a complete waste of Linda Carter, and I really don't like that episode. (laughs) She has Beast, which we'll talk about here. Uh, Roulette, which she she really likes writing for Chloe, doesn't she? Interesting. Roulette, all of her episode. Uh, Escape, which I actually really like that episode. Again, heavy on Chloe, because that's the Silver Banshee episode where they go to the uh, breakfast and they all work out there. I really like that episode, too. It's like, it was a, I always say this, it's very, they needed that episode to clean up all the relationship nonsense between the four of them. <laughs> That's why I, I like that episode. And then season 10, she writes ISIS. Eh. Yeah. We just it, recently rewatched that. Cause we talked about it uh, because it references Condock and black. Island. Oh yeah. There you go. There's your connection there. <laughs> Icarus eh, pros and cons to that one. And then check this out. Kent. Kent. Oh, okay. Episode made me cry. One of the best episodes of the show. So anyway, <laughs> a lot can go on in a writer's room. I don't know who's responsible for what for there. But since you brought up the whole like, you know, th- that that's a pretty good point there about, you know, people who are not 
they don't have the encyclopedic knowledge we do of the show. They were there at the beginning. They're like, oh, well, that's a everybody knows the Clark on the cross, right? Yeah. We'll put that in the episode. That's probably <laughs> that was probably the thinking there uh, by Genevieve Sparling. So there you go. That is your opening. Does it give us any insight into Chloe's psyche here, Tyler? You think? I, I think what we've got to reference is that she is in one way romanticizing this relationship with Davis. She does have, she keeps telling herself, and I think in a lot of ways, she does have an interest in Davis. And then until she realizes when she stops and sees who he really is. Um, and then, like we said, her own subconscious is telling her, like, this is not going to work out. You need to get away from this. And she doesn't even want to listen to herself. Yeah, and that's really the the dilemma of the whole episode, right? Because we go to the opening credits, we come back, and uh, Chloe is, you know, obviously shaken by her nightmare, making herself some coffee, get, gets a phone call uh, from Davis, which she ignores, right? Because as you would, because, you know, in her nightmare, she got a call and all this, all this stuff happened. Then Clark shows up, and I got to say, I love this look for Clark, the blue shirt, blue jacket. Yes, I put Ah, blue shirt, blue jacket. Very, not that oftenly seen. Um, I, is this this is the first time we ever see it? I think, and I, maybe, it's only a handful of times, maybe like in the last. I think it only shows up here near the end of the show, and I can't believe they never tried this before. I, I'm so just because of watching it off and on, but yeah, it's it's a look that is nice to see and just to kind of mix it up. And I mean, it's not that uncommon. You know? That's what it is. It's a, it's like, yeah, I'd wear a blue shirt with a blue jacket. Like I probably do all the time. And I do. I have a blue jacket <laughs> and I have a ton of blue shirts like that range in color. So yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't pop as much as a solid uh, blue shirt with a red jacket. Well, the, the, the a red thing... jacket general pops just dude. Imagine a red shirt and a red jacket. How, what, how much of an eyesore would that have been? <laughs> That'd be an episode of power Rangers. <laughs> The reverse of this, right? The retro red jacket would not have worked. But and I think I think you hit the nail on the head. Not only does it look good, it's a normal wardrobe combination as opposed to the blue shirt red jacket. And just and again, we're getting away from well, Clark had been for the most part this season getting away from wearing the red jacket, blue shirt when he's not the red blue blur. And that's why we get these new costumes because I'll tell you, man, seasons. I know he started wearing it like around season two like very special episodes like Rosetta and stuff, but like season four through seven, that blue shirt, red jacket. That's why it's a tally board thing, right? Got insufferable. Like I can't believe he's wearing this all the time. And he just looks like a normal person and less of a cartoon character. I know we're talking a lot about it, but you, you can't see both of our eyes lit up when we're talking about this. Like it was just, yes. such, I remember I'm like, at the time I was like, that's an amazing look, Clark. Thank you. Anyway, what episode was it that you and I reviewed where he wore a yellow flannel, like in one shot, Towards the end of an episode, he was in. He had a white T-shirt with a yellow flannel. And he was in a hospital scene, and it was early on. Oh, I think I think I remember us talking about this too. I can't. We were I could so excited, like, oh my gosh, like this is so out of left field. But in his color spectrum, right? <laughs> I, I remember the yellow T-shirt from Duplicity, which looked bad, and I even think on talk for they're like, yeah, that looked bad. <laughs> so we never we never wore that again. So those primary colors there. But anyway, Clark's here. He's in a great outfit. <laughs> And he, he thinks that Davis Bloom is still alive because he he's been doing some research and he's seen that uh, Bruno Menheim is thug from the last episode, right? Who attacked Chloe, uh, found the body in a dumpster, right? 
mm-hmm. which is interesting. Like, where was that? That was the Talon dumpster, right? So was it in another dumpster? Like Clark would have been like, he was here, Chloe. But I think this is them not remembering all of the details. It's interesting when they lean so heavily into continuity and then forget like obvious things like that. But what an epic fail by by Oliver Queen here, because Oliver buried his body. <laughs> it's like, dude, you gotta you gotta put that thing. You gotta shoot that into space. You know, I mean, don't just bury him in a wherever they bury him, right? Because yeah, that's an appropriate space for the the corn field killer, right? But Chloe is is like de- deflecting and gaslighting. And Clark's like, hey, look, the, the the these people were killed the same way Doomsday killed his victims. So I think it's. I think is Davis. And I can't believe this is such a bad look for Chloe. She tells Clark, quote, the only thing keeping him alive in your mind is fear. Like, cool. You're keeping this guy 20 feet away in the basement and you're lying to your best friend like this to his face. This is one of those examples where like a good, like sweep, like Chloe, I think he's still close. Like just can do a quick sweep with your x-ray vision. Like, or superhearing, which is how he yeah. finds him later when he gets there. Yeah, it's like <laughs> at the end of the episode. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, like if he's worried for Chloe, you think you have these like ex sensories. Like, you know, Chloe, I'm worried about you. I'm listening, make sure no one else is here for your safety. Oh, there he is. Like this episode would have been over like in ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the problem. They gotta they gotta keep it going, right? So there we go. We got we got Chloe just lying to Clark's face. And then we get we Oliver at the Ace of Clubs, and he's doing a doing a business meeting there, Tyler. Yeah, he's working. And uh, I have in mind, this is where, uh, you know, I have Oliver running Luther Court. Jimmy is now on drugs. Because I totally forgot, like, leading up to this episode, they kind of did, they try to do this whole Jimmy on drugs thing. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, like, his painkiller addiction. And, I, I like I like he comes up to Oliver and says, like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? This is really important, right? So they walk off and he's like, oh, sorry to eat up your lunch. And Oliver's like... There's not my frat bros. I'm here on business. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I just, I don't know about you, Zach, but I don't have any like casual friends with billionaires. You know, I just walk up to you like, hey, man, um, can I borrow like, you know, some couple hundred dollars for my car? Like, that's what they just carry in their wallet, dude. Like, yeah, so here, here here's, here's a $500 bill, which only people just like leave me, me alone, have. Jimmy. Yeah. Just, just go away. Well, I like he has a very specific request. He was like, I need $600. I need it ASAP. And I guess he, the implication was at the end of Stiletto that like he took all this extra fake printed money that they printed with the kryptonite, right? Because he went and bought some more drugs. And he's like, oh, yeah. Did he blow through that already? God, man, get your addiction under control. But I guess that's the point. He can't control it. I just want to know, do we ever establish that Jimmy had a car? Like, I thought he did back in season seven, but but that was when they were in Smallville more. And oh, that, I remember his car getting rumored by the... Uh, and fierce, right? He gets okay. frozen. Like yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And that's that's back in season seven. Yeah, that's so it's over a year ago now. So I don't know. But uh, he's saying that the you know alternator of his car went out, which is fair. That that really sucks. That's, you know that when that happens to people, right? Oh, that um, is, I've had that happen. But it's Oliver, he he susses him out perfectly. He's like, pretty sure it's not your car that needs the fix, buddy. <laughs> what a <laughs> great I line! Love, I just love that Oliver's. What I love is Oliver. Like, look, I'll pay for your treatment. We'll keep a hush hush. I'll put you somewhere and I'll pay for it. Like that's showing the signs like, yeah, Oliver has the money, but still a good friend. He's like, he's not just willing not to give Jimmy the money for drugs. He's like, look, Ben, I'll get you. I'll help get you clean and get you on the straight and narrow. 
No, Oliver's 100% in the right here, and I really like how he handled it. But all <laughs> that being said, and as much as I don't like this Jimmy on drugs subplot, I thought this was hilarious. Jimmy says, are you going to drive me there too? Because my car doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's, he's sticking with that lie to the bitter end, fan. I thought that was that was I cool, would, man. I would have loved if at one point he was talking to Oliver and Jimmy gets a call from the mechanic. Yeah. Like, are you coming to pay for your yeah. car or not? And Oliver's like, but yeah, I, <laughs> I, I like that he was so like not willing to give up on the lie because in so many of these shows when people are confronted like oh you're right you got me but no like in the real world there people don't back down with lies like this so I really that like that del- that should have been a deleted scene the Jimmy mechanic, the mechanic. <laughs> by the way you, you know how you know how Oliver can suss this stuff out right so his his uh Kevin Pearson experience on this is us oh this yeah is exactly what I thought of for sure so listen I've been there Jimmy. <laughs> After I hurt my leg, <laughs> you know, got addicted to these painkillers. Anyway, talking about Kevin Pearson on This Is Us, by the way. Check it out. It's a great show. But speaking of Oliver, Chloe is confessing to Dr. Hamilton about Davis. And Hamilton's like, well, we got we to gotta tell Oliver about this. And she says, Oliver can't be trusted because he killed Lex Luthor. Like, and? I mean, that. <laughs> what does that have to do with this, right? I mean, it was wrong. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it, it was wrong, but I was like, that's one thing. That's not kind of her thing to tell, too. You're just kind of trying to... I, I saw it as a tactic to exceed doubt so that Emil won't turn to Oliver to tell him himself. Oh, absolutely. She is such a liar and manipulator this episode. Like, it's my, it's too much. My my notes constantly say, Chloe, what happened to your loyalty? Like, and then we get... We'll get there at the end, but, like, I'm still, like... Well, I tell you what happened to loyalty. You went to Davis, right? That's 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 the problem here, right? But it, by the way, Doctor Hamilton, some epic sideburns. Have you noticed this? Yes, because he is know. a. It's the Elvis impersonation. When he gets there, man, he's he... <laughs> he's halfway there, right? But but no, I I really like Alessandro Giuliani. I I, I loved him. Bosco Galactica. He was Mister Gato, and uh... I love being the only person in Man of Steel who recognized him and was like. <laughs> Two Dr. Hamilton's at the same time. Yes, of course, he's a Man of Steel, like so many other Smallville actors are. But it's interesting because it, he, he and Richard Schiff are in the same scene. And Richard Schiff's playing that Dr. Hamilton. So that, yep. that was cool. But yeah, I, I guess I never really noticed before like that his hairstyle here on Smallville had these epic 70s sideburns. Like, get him in a Star Wars project as soon as possible because he would totally fit in with the with the hairstyle, right? Yeah. They'd be like, did, did we do that in makeup? Like, no, that's just me, man. That's just me, bro. That's all. <laughs> it's all premeditated, partner. Uh, Chloe makes a pretty good WebMD joke. It's pretty funny, I thought, about looking up alien diseases and stuff. But this is where the, the, they bring up the whole water bottle thing because he because Dr. Hamlin's like, well, I would need to see him in person. And Chloe's like, well, that's not going to happen. He's like, well, I need some cells somehow. And then she gives him this this water bottle, right? Which she, was set that, up in the other scene. That's why it was confusing. And that's why I feel like, like you said, like they, they changed it of how it was going to flow and just kind of condensed some things together. It looks like an insert shot even, right? Mm-hmm. Like, here, let's get somebody in a car and hold this bag up. And I don't know. But he's going to see what he can do with it, right? So then Chloe gets out of the car. And then immediately, out of out of nowhere, she runs into Davis. Oh, and here he, we go. I got, I got the line. I got the line. I, nothing helps, Chloe. I can't be away from you. You know. I looked at your photos. I held your hair. I'm like, dude, you are a sick person. At that point, like, you know, like, this can't go on. 
Like, even if we're holding hands and skipping all day long every day, <laughs> like, this is not going to go on. Well, like anything else, he builds up a, you build up a tolerance to it, right? Like, yeah. he was taking those anti-psychotic drugs and whatever, and they build up a tolerance to that. And, and isn't, just, that the, isn't that the character of Doomsday in this, the way they have him set up here anyways, is that whatever works or doesn't work kills him, affects him. And anyway, he builds up the tolerance to mm. overcome it. And that's how he got resurrected anyway. I mean, like, it's, you know, his, his, you're talking about the antipsychotics, like his, those were dumbing down his brain in a sense, weakening him. Yeah. So he built the, like, you know, in his DNA was to overcome it. So it would no longer affect him. And that's yeah. just kind of what he is, period. Yeah. So are you tell me he, he came two hours to Metropolis to, to find her. <laughs> Um, I think maybe he just leaped like the Hulk. <laughs> well, well, we'll put a pin in that because he has some powers later that he never had before in this human form. But you haven't been on since this was reestablished, Tyler. But in Abyss, after Chloe's mind gets erased and she's talking about Clark running errands to Metropolis and it would be two hours away. Mm. Like the show reestablished, it was really far because in season seven, like, again, I probably quoted this morning anything else on the podcast about Lionel's like, it's a small town just outside the city, right? And like, all right, we've retconned the three hours away from season three in truth, yep. right? Yep. Uh, to it's a small town just outside the city. I'm like, all right, fine, right? But then to go back to the, oh, it's two hours away, and then still have these characters going back and forth in this very episode, right? Yeah. Two hours away. He doesn't have a car. It, I don't know. Anyway. And and like I've told you before, is I live in a small city outside, you know, Columbus, Ohio. So it's like 35, 30 to 40 minutes to Columbus, depending if you're going downtown or what. And that's how I always feel like they try to make Smallville into is like, oh, just outside the city, you know, three hours away. I'm looking at going from where I am to like Cleveland <laughs> or Toledo, actually, where James, my co-host actually lives mm. like. So that's, you know, three hours to James. I've, I've done that trip in a day, three hours up, seen him for a while, you know, hours, three back down. You ain't doing that every day. I'm telling you. Like, that's no, that's ridiculous. But I, I like this other uh, Davis quote that happens where they talk about leaving together and it says, Honestly, tell me, am I the most important person in your life? I would do anything for you, Davis. <laughs> what? They're both psycho. Oh, so they're at, they're back in the basement at this point, right? And Chloe, we didn't even mention this, but Clark had brought in a, a Daily Planet headline calling Davis the. The the uh, cornfield killer, he's like, oh, Tess had put out all this, you know, stuff about Davis still being alive, and Chloe shows this to him. He's like, well, I didn't want to show you before because I didn't want to upset you, but this is getting pretty serious, right? So everybody knows that you're this killer, and and it's it, yeah. to, to, for Chloe to, to say to get to the point where she's going to be like, I would do anything for you. I'm like, dude, I'm like, come on, like, and then, and then the 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 creepy Davis music plays, like, oh, you know. <laughs> It is it is creepy. It is unsettling, but they that that music gets a lot of play in the end of season eight, doesn't it? They're like, we paid for this. We're gonna play this whenever we can. That's exactly right. So, but then we get to um, Oliver at at his Luther Corp office. What do you what do you think of Oliver's Luther Corp office? Well, it's just kind of weird that he's in Luther Corp. Period. Like, just, I don't know. I I just like I'm glad he's off the plane. Like we literally blew up. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, yeah, yeah. I'm glad. But he's the not fact he's like, 
like the the Lex and Lionel office was such a cool set, and they've like made it. I don't like that. Like there's like piping on the wall now. Like you're in some industrial. You know, I just I don't I don't want a fan of this of this set. So Clark uh, shows up to talk about Davis, and he tells Oliver like, "Hey, I went to the grave you put him in. It's empty. It looks like something clawed out. Nobody dug him out. Something clawed out. So obviously, Davis had turned back into Doomsday, clawed himself out, and then gone back to being human. And then of course went to the Talon to ask Chloe to live with him forever. So. I guess the title, you know, honestly, I guess the title is be- like beast. It is appropriate because this is the most beauty and the beast of all the, I guess yeah. what's going on here. Right. Yeah. So, Stop okay. Thompson. Smallville, I'll give it to you. All right. It makes, it works. It works for this episode. We'll find another title for eternal. That's the one that needs a new title. But, uh, but speaking of Oliver says, I can tell you how to conquer the beast episode title set an episode so there you go that's why the episode title came to mind there but i Um, i caught it later it's said by another character it said a lot actually right jimmy says it too yep that's the one that i highlighted beast yeah because the way because it was the way he said it like it was very almost as if you yeah almost like he broke the fourth wall and looked right at you beast yeah (laughs) now i thought this was a line from the finale where Oliver's like, kick his ass, Clark, get this thing out of our lives forever. I, in my memory, that was from Doomsday, like the season finale, but it was just here. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> sure. Uh, because uh, they, they have this argument about the, the kill, no kill argument, which is the you know crux of, of Oliver and Clark uh, having some disagreements this season about killing or not killing. Uh, and yeah. Oliver wants him to kill Doomsday, and Clark's like, no, I don't do that. No, he doesn't. Like He has another plan, which is always my favorite plan for Superman when he fights Doomsday. This at least has a little bit of a twist to it, but this is always my thoughts when I'm like, oh, he's got to fight Doomsday. What is he going to do? This is what he's going to do. It was. A, did they ever say why he didn't uh, get the fan of his own projector in the in the comic books in 1993? Nope. nope. <laughs> that was all, that's always my joke. Like when I talk to my wife, like if you were fighting Doomsday, like Phantom Zone projector. And then I'm like, or just throw him in space. Just yep. grab him. I'm, I'm not like, I'm, <laughs> I joke all the time. Like if I had Superman's powers, I really wouldn't fight anybody. I would just be like, there'd be a very minimal effort and a lot of things just, you know, whew, heat vision, toss him into space, phantom zone, you know. That's what Superman in the movies does. Everything goes to space, right? Doomsday goes in space, Azad, uh, continents, yeah. nuclear vessels. <laughs> Nuclear missiles, elevators, so that's, bombs. That's where, exactly. That's where you just put everything. Like, yeah. Get it off Earth. And Throw it into space. the sun. Throw it into the sun. So, and Then we get to Chloe at ISIS talking to Dr. Hamilton on the computer screens there. And she, she's talking to him about uh, the, the cells that he got from the water bottle. And uh, Chloe's getting kind of desperate now. She's like, all right, look, I don't got a lot of cards left to play. Uh, and what if, what if I brought him into you? And I love... <laughs> How he said, I, this made me laugh out loud. He's like, frankly, I don't want him anywhere near me. <laughs> because right. he's, see, he's seen what his cells can do, right, Tyler? Yeah, he's like he was talked about trying to, uh, what did he do? Like, basically, he saw that they are indestructible. So, yeah, I wouldn't, I'd be like the same thing. No, I don't want him near me. I don't want him around <laughs> me. me. I'm scared. Like, Yeah, no, he's like, a, he is a very sensible guy here, right? And... They talk about like what would cause them to change, like oh, intense emotions like love, hate, obsession, and, and Chloe takes a moment. I'm like, why? 
I don't understand. I'm like, Chloe, obviously he's obsessed with you and in love with you. That's why like, she seems confused still about why she is the cure for him. It's like, it's very, I don't know, it seems pretty obvious to all of us, right? Yes, it is. Um, Chloe, if <laughs> every possible flag that could be thrown in her face is thrown in this episode and she ignores every warning sign. Yeah, I got to say, you know, you, people like to give Alana a lot of crap for her poor choice and boyfriends or men or, or, or her betrayals of Clark, right? Alana uh, ain't got nothing on Chloe this season, y'all. <laughs> oh, I mean, this, I mean, even in this, what we're talking about right now, this is where Chloe sends Clark to Alaska. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. So, first of all, first of all she like, she she kind of like reverse threatens Hamilton, like for, for telling people, he's like, we, we have to warn people about this guy. She's like, oh, no, you don't want to do that because you betray me. And if you betray me, you betray him. And you don't want him in his bad side. I'm like, this is what this is what you're going to do. Right. She's trying to like to keep him quiet. Right. Because Hamilton, again, a sensible guy. Uh, we got to warn people this serial killer alien monster is around. Right. It's dangerous. Right. So then she basically, you know, kind of hangs up him. So, OK, the, the thing with Clark, it actually confused me for a second because think in TV terms. Right. Think about this. Yeah. He leaves Oliver's office. He super speeds off. Right. He does say that he has this other plan, right? Let's go to the fortress and figure out this whole thing, right? But when you see Clark super speed away from one scene, and the next time you see him, he super speeds into a scene in your mind. At least this happened to me. I was like, did he run from Oliver's office to ISIS to talk to Chloe? Am I the that's, only person who thought this? <laughs> that's how I kind of would have thought because he would run to her to talk about his plan. Feels like logically, she's closer than him going here back. Right. So I would think, yeah. And I thought that, and I was like, in my mind, I was like, well, this is dumb. The first thing he asked her is, "Have you heard from Oliver lately?" Because he tasked Oliver in his previous scene, like, "Hey, I'll take care of Doomsday. You take care of Chloe." Right. But then for him to speed over to Chloe to be like, "Hey, you heard from Oliver lately?" But then he goes on to talk about, "Oh, well, I went up to the fortress." And uh, I got I got a faint signal from the console, and I found the crystal the Brainiac used to release Zod. I was like, this... They clearly didn't know what to do with the Fortress of Solitude this point, time. <laughs> I'm like, that would have been a better scene in this episode of just seeing Clark, like, working on something in the Fortress. It, it is where were the crystals? Like, what do you even, like... <laughs> You just gotta show him like under like he's under a car, like under the <laughs> under the console. Hey, I found the blue found that blue crystal from season five, right? Um, it's good continuity, but it's it's like they, they turn Jorel off and take him away so many times, it's just like because I guess we're the we're led to believe dead. Yeah. We're led dead. to believe that Brainiac corrupted it, which makes sense, right? When he when he took over and Doomsday was hatched there and all that stuff. But then it's like, how does Jorel come back in season nine? That's never I don't think it's ever explained. Clark's just training with him in season nine. That's never explained, but I, I, the, the, he worked like, on it over the summer. That's <laughs> right. He worked on it. Right. But anyway, all that conversation is like, Oh no, he didn't super speed over from a to B. Right. He went to the Arctic and did all this stuff and then came to talk to Chloe. So I would have liked it. I guess my problem is he should not have super sped into the room. Right. Cause that made you think that was the end of what you had seen him run off from, the previous time you saw, maybe I'm getting, maybe I'm getting too particular here, but you, you know what I'm saying? No, no, no. It's it's the it's the same kind of like in your brain. Like he leaves here, comes in here. 
And you're like, okay, you buy it because it's the same action. Yeah. You don't, you know, and you don't think he went up to the Arctic for a whole adventure in between. I mean, right? maybe in the script originally there was a scene of him in the Arctic and they cut that out in scripting and then just didn't mm-hmm. think about like maybe this. so the blocking of it all, perhaps. Yeah. Anyway. But uh Clark kind of tells Chloe what his plan is, right? That he's he's gonna put him in the Phantom Zone, right? Which is which is a good plan. Like as we said, like he's and correct me if I'm wrong, did they not put Doomsday in the Phantom Zone in uh Justice League? The animated series? Yeah. I think so. I'm trying to remember. I know they fought him in a volcano fought him in a volcano and they didn't do like a death of Superman thing. So Yeah, the Doomsday sanction. Yeah. Huh. I don't know when this would happen. I, I, I thought I in my head I can see <laughs> Superman with the Phantom Zone projector and he sent Doomsday there. Uh but I can't I can't place it. So I just it makes sense um because Clark's looking at him as more of the beast. Chloe sees him as the man. There's a line later about I won't jump too far ahead, but just in the whole conversation of the idea of being in the Phantom Zone, Chloe mentions like you would have, you know, can uh, put him in a damned him, you know, being in the Phantom Zone. But there's also a line about he could be himself. That was not okay. Yeah, well, let's put a pin in that. That was interesting. I thought Clark was doing a a, a kind of sleazy car salesman job on that. <laughs> it's it's a it's a twofold because it looks at it makes you ask what is himself. Yeah, true. Because if because if we're going by the Beast of Doomsday, he can be terrible in the Phantom Zone. You know. Yeah, he wrecked and that place. The, exactly. So he can be who he is. But if you're looking at Davis, but we still think Davis is the good as a guy then no he can't be yeah. but at the same time davis is condemned to a life of torment anyways well like, i do and i do like the hard line that superman is taking here clark is taking here about the, the not killing thing it's a whole it's an old can of words to talk about, talk about on and off here and it's the whole crux of oliver and clark arguing in the season but it's very it's made very clear like i i you know i've said before like uh you know batman shouldn't kill people but i don't i I think Superman kill people. It's cool. But you, you look at this season and Clark just, I'm like, when is he, I even said this. I'm like, when has Superman ever said, I don't kill people. And like this very season in Legion, he's like, if there's any code of conduct that has to do with me, number one rule would be do not kill ever. I'm like, well, you kind of said it in my favorite show, so I better abide by it. So I like, and this is where conflict comes right from him. Like he is imposing this choice on himself to not kill people. And that makes it more complicated. Right, yeah. because he is the super powerful guy who could kill anyone if he ever wanted to. Uh, but I like his line here where he says to Chloe, like, Chloe, he's killed over 50 people and he put Jimmy in the hospital. There's nothing more I can do for him. I mean, there it is right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they realize they can't kill him. He is a killer. He is something that's becoming unstoppable. And Chloe rationally has to believe that she can't, just in this episode alone, how far Davis moves in his, in his, uh, I had a piece of your hair. I looked at your photos. Like that's not going to work. So I kind of wish he had went to the Phantom Zone and like pulled Chloe in with him or something. Like interesting. If I'm going, you're going too, kind of thing. Like yeah, well, it, yeah, yeah. He says that to Clark later, but but the the spin Chloe does on this. Like she she argues with Clark. Like, no, no, you can't do that. He's like, why not? It's like, well, well, what what if it like sucks you in too? He's like, well, that's a risk I have to take. She's like, no, 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 no. It's it's the good of the world comes first, right? 
And, you know, because Clark's like, you told me that I should put the good of the world first if these things come. I'm like, well, it's, that's what I was talking about. She, it's like, her spin is so, like, I hate it. I hate her spin, mm-hmm. trying to convince Clark and herself that it's, oh, no, it's it's not about him. It's about you, right? So she sends, she sends Clark, as you said earlier, she sends him off to Alaska. She's like, well... You know, I heard about these murders in Alaska. I didn't want to alarm anybody until I did my research. So Clark's like, okay, no problem. I'm off. So she, he super speeds off to give her time to figure out what to do next. Because she had told Davis last time, like, in the basement there when they decided to leave town together, right? Like, let me just put a few affairs in order and, you know, I'll be back. And so this is what she's doing now. And I can't I can't believe she just, just got Clark out of her way like that. I know. In Alaska? Like, that's not that far. She'd been better like in Russia. Chloe, I was just there at the fortress. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Like that's just like two steps from the fortress, Chloe. We're good. But but here we go. This is this is a little subplot here that I completely forgotten about, Tyler. Oliver shows up at the Talon, right? He's looking for Chloe because Clark sent him to go take care of Chloe. But he finds Jimmy going through Chloe's stuff, looking for drug money. And Jimmy's so pathetic, he's like, Oh, it's it's I'm not stealing. It's a, it's a, I'm gonna pay it back. Like, no, you're not, Jimmy. But then they both get knocked out by Davis. Like I had no memory of this at all, Tyler. I just can't. This made Jimmy more and more pathetic. Of like, I'm gonna pay it back. But yeah, they get, they get knocked out by Davis, and then Jimmy and Oliver are held captive by Davis. And this is when Jimmy realizes he goes. He says, "Where Jimmy says he's the beast." Yeah, because because uh, Oliver says I've seen your horns, which Jimmy connects to like the monster at the wedding. Uh, so so it's all it's all coming because he never made that true connection before that he was the the, the monster from from the wedding, right? By the way, uh, they wake up tied up. We don't count that anymore in the tally board. That was only for Lex when Lex woke up tied up. That was very specific. <laughs> so we're not going to count that this time around. Uh, he he drops a uh, basically a, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry, <laughs> lying on Jimmy because Jimmy's trying to. Trying to get a rise out of him. And, and Chloe calls him on the phone. She's like, Oh, I'm on my way home now. And I'm like, I'm in Metropolis. <laughs> it's like two hours away. <laughs> you know? And I think those those deleted scenes with the with the FBI agents would have happened around here somewhere. Right? This, would, them, this yeah. would have been where those were. Right. But uh I you know, I really like how Jimmy eggs on Davis here. I'm like, good for you, Jimmy, to having some some self respect here. I I I I liked how he was finally like standing up for himself here against Davis. Oliver says, really, Jones on a girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do like Oliver's line. Hey, man, I know it's like the Jones after a girl. <laughs> but uh, J- Jimmy offers himself up to be uh, to be killed, right? Kill He's me. like, look, you're going to kill someone and kill me. But you're, you're two episodes too early, Jimmy, right? Yeah. Which is crazy. It's like, th- that kind of makes me think, again, like, that was not planned. Why would you tease that here and then do it two episodes later? Man, just because they were like, we need an emotional cliff and we need something that really pushes Clark into the self exile he puts himself in. And yeah. he's gonna blame himself for Jimmy's death right after, right after, you know, I almost still know Thunder, but right after something good happens with Clark and Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But you you could call it foreshadowing, I guess. It's like poetry rhymes. He almost killed him here, he didn't come there. But we get a knockout to keep Clark's secret because because Davis is like he's crushing he's about to crush his eyes and his skull and kill him right, and Oliver has to talk him down, and 
he talks about killing Jimmy because he's like, look, Chloe will never forgive you for this. And Davis stops. He's like, you're right. You mean too much to Jimmy. So that means I have to kill you, which is funny because he's got both Chloe's ex and future husband here. <laughs> it's pretty funny, right? All the men that love Chloe. That's true. <laughs> Clark shows up later too. So literally everyone. So in Smallville, the official magazine, number 33, available wherever magazines are sold. Sam Whitworth talks about this scene with Justin Hartley and also how they knew each other uh, before Smallville. Quote, it was an honor to choke that man out. It's always fun to work with him and even better to render him unconscious. Justin is a really fun guy. I didn't get to work with him that much, but the entire last two episodes I filmed with Justin, we were just laughing the whole time. He's a really cool guy. Me, Justin, and Cassidy are all from Chicago, so the three new regular kids on the set had that connection. That's cool. But this is a knockout to keep Clark secret because Jimmy gets knocked out. Uh, so Clark can show up and do some super things. They can talk without him knowing his secret. And, and this is uh, Davis choking Oliver out. And he, he says his line, sometimes the monster really does get the girl. So, again, I guess Beast is an appropriate title, Beauty and the Beast. There you go. Yeah. Clark super speeds in, and uh, unlike earlier today when he was here, <laughs> he uses his super hearing and hears what's going on and Oliver being killed, and Oliver's trying to, like, you know, talk Davis down, right? But Clark is super pissed when he breaks down there, isn't he, Tyler? Yes. They can't They can't see my eyes right now, but yeah. <laughs> Davis like, what are you going to do to me, Clark, right? And... I think this is an interesting uh, shot here that echoes, again, talking about foreshadowing or echoing, uh, the season finale where Clark kind of grabs Davis and super speeds off with him. Like the way it's composed and the way Clark looks, it looks just like he does the super leap in the season finale with Doomsday at the end, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. So they speed off. And remember that Clark is speeding off with Davis. Like they're using super speed to go up to the Fortress of Solitude, all right? Mm -hmm. So how long do you think that probably takes them? Like a minute? Or less. Or less. Okay, cool. So let's just, let's remember that. And continue on with the episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's, let's totally. <laughs> because a lot of time passes between the time of all this and we catch up with them, right? So obviously Clark has saved Oliver and Jimmy from the situation. And this is some, this is some well-chosen stock footage. I don't know if, if it was intentional or not. I got to think it is. Obviously, it's stock footage of the exterior of the Talon, right? And it says a monster on the marquee, right? It's probably like monster cappuccino or whatever, right? But because of Davis and all that, I think that was a really cool... I don't know. Like, we'll never know because probably some intern was tasked with pulling that stock footage out. But did you catch that, Tyler? Um, no, I did not. There you go. But too bad it wasn't like The Beast. Like that, you know, that, that, <laughs> that movie from that was on TV. Oh, dude, I love The Beast. It had uh, Peter Benchley's The Beast. Yes, uh, then Peterson, William Peterson, right before he was famous from CSI. Yep, I remember because I was so excited watching on two nights, dude. I I recorded those on TV. I still have those on on VHS. I I like Giant Squid. Like I like Giant Squid more than sharks. So like that's like oh man. Now Jaws is Arcatooth is ducks. Yeah, man. <laughs> that actor who played that crazy scientist. He shows up in all kinds of crazy sci-fi stuff. He's in Voyager. He's in Heroes. Yeah, he <laughs> was. He's the guy that created uh the two uh. Uh, Tracy's and Ali Larger's character and all that. Anyway, I love the beast. I'm so glad you brought that up. Thank you for unlocking that that memory. 
I, I should rewatch it someday. It's not going to hold up as well as Jaws, I guarantee you. But it's, Peter Benchley wrote it, so the same, he just wrote like, "Oh, you want another one of these instead of a shark? <laughs> we'll do a giant squid." So very That's what cool. Hooked me as a kid, I was like, "Wait, Peter Benchley didn't he write Jaws?" I'm yeah. in. <laughs> now he wrote another one called Creature. Craig T. Nelson from Coach was the star of this TV movie, and I saw it once, but I didn't really care about it, so I never like revisited it, or remember it. But it was like some kind of hybrid shark with, with legs or something. So it's okay. Like, I'm gonna look that up. Look yeah, look that up look later. It up later. But yes, if if you, if you guys like Jaws, check out the Beast. You might, you might, I think it's the Beast. So you, yeah, you, you might like it. You might like it. So <laughs> again, thank you for unlocking that memory. That You're welcome. So good. I had a thought about this though, thinking about the marquee in the coffee shop sign, right? Because I thought, oh, did did a marquee say that earlier? Right. This this is how my this is how this thought came to me. I was like, did it say that earlier? I don't know. I'm not going to rewind and look. Wait a minute. Are they changing the marquee? Wait a minute. Is the talent still open? And if so, surely someone would have found Davis in right. the basement by now, right? Is it just an apartment? Like, because whenever Lana's we not, see it, right, it's just Chloe there, like herself. I don't think it's open anymore. I don't think anyone's running the talent <laughs> because it was it was run by Lana. That was her life, and then Luther Lex bought into it, and then that all went, you know everywhere there's like you said if someone was if it was working as a business yeah i don't think the town's open that's a whole subplot they could have like davis is like killing the, <laughs> the workers at the town i'm gonna take the trash down to the basement no don't go in the basement <laughs> it's that it's, the, it's that goosebumps title don't go in the basement <laughs> it was a whole separate episode they just deleted okay. oh man that would have been some drama. Anyway, that that's why I'm, I thought about that. I'm like, oh, if someone had changed in the marquee, that means the coffee shop was open. Wait a minute. When's the last time we've seen someone not a main character there? Right? I don't I, I agree. I don't I don't think it's open anymore. So I, I guess the whole shut it down category, uh <laughs> we'll see if it gets mentioned again in any capacity. But anyway. Chloe shows up and Oliver's people are there. Dr. Hamilton is there. I guess Dr. Hamilton told Oliver anyway, or I'm not sure exactly what. Something is something was communicated where Oliver's people are cleaning up the mess before the cops get there, right? And wow, Tyler, the dialogue here. Okay, good. I can already tell you're picking up when I'm putting down, right? I thought about calling the police. <laughs> But I thought I'd give you a chance to explain first to Chloe, right? And I'm like, oh, that's strike one <laughs> for the Allison Mack awkward dialogue competition we have going on here. Yeah, and then like, oh, I shouldn't have left him alone. This is all my fault, right? He needed me, and I like I like how pissed off Oliver is. Like, well, he needed you, all right. So the needs of the cornfield killer outweigh the rest of the world, right? Like he's pissed, rightfully so. You got that right there. Yep. You got that in your notes too, right? I love his attitude. I had it. <laughs> Chloe, I had it under control. Oliver. Okay, that's strike two. Strike three, Oliver, when did you become one of the bad guys? All right? Yikes. Like, look, I don't bring this up that often. I feel like I have been more in season eight because Chloe's doing all these questionable things, but it's like, damn, rewatching this post Nexium, you take oh, these lines out oh. of context. It's it's crazy. I thought I had everything under control. Sure you did. Oof. Anyway, you cannot let those dialogue, you cannot let those lines pass without 
mentioning the awkwardness, seeing them in an exchange with Allison Mack, I think. It's unfortunate, but there it is, right? But Oliver has faith that Clark is going to finish the job. He's like, well, it's in Clark's hands now, right? It's, ooh, Oliver, this is on you. You shouldn't have said that because <laughs> since you said that, Chloe knows. Chloe had known about Clark's plan, right, to send Davis to the Phantom Zone. So this clues her in. But but look at look at how she reacts. She's like, oh, no, Clark, what's he going to do? He's like, well, he took Davis. So he's going to finish the job. And she's so upset by this, right? Like more more so than anything else. And by the way, we, we skipped over because we haven't talked about this this awkward dialogue from Chloe here. Jimmy's there, and they're wheeling him out on a on gurney, stretcher. Right? Yeah. yeah, hospital visit plus one. I guess we're taking him to the hospital, right? Yeah, we're taking him there. He's All in right, the ambulance. Good. We'll count it. We'll count it. We'll count it. But she's like, "Oh my god, Jimmy! I'm so sorry." She touches his arm. He has no reaction at all because he's like, "You're dead to me," right? Which I agree with. Like, if I'm, I'm him, I'm like, I'm so justified, or vindicated. Yes. Um, the person that put Jimmy in the hospital. That's taken, as Jimmy said earlier, taking everything from him is the one Chloe's trying to protect. Yeah. And all he has to say is, Chloe, just stay away from that monster. And he's, I wouldn't yeah. even said that. I just would have been like, you picked your own fate. Yeah, no, I think he kind of took the high road, right? Because he thought, like everybody, like, oh, you must be like manipulating her mind. And it's like, no, she's just choosing this uh, of her own accord. But because Oliver clued Chloe into what Clark was doing with Davis, we get the resolution of this episode. Now, remember, Clark super sped away with Davis. Like, I don't know how many hours ago this was, Tyler. Because by the time Chloe gets to the town, like, Jimmy's being, being carted off. Oliver's doing his thing, you know. People are there. Time has passed. But he should be at the yeah. fortress. But it, that that should have happened already, right? I mean, the amount of time that even if, yeah, I'm not going to try. Like all the stuff that they go through, that should have all been done. Like Chloe coming up to the town should have been after they left the fortress or something. Just with how time compression works and how fast Clark can move. And there's not even that. There's a whole other component about what Chloe does after this. But we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there shortly, right? But we're we're up at the fortress, and uh, Clark is still kind of being nice here. He's like, "Oh, this is this is the last remnants of our planet," because he's still thinking like, "Him and Davis are you know." They keep calling Davis Kryptonian. I guess it's technically he is, but he's a Kryptonian science experiment. Yeah, they act like he's just another person, right? Mm-hmm. But this is where he makes the the hard sell on the Phantom Zone. He's like, I'm going to send you to a place where you won't have to hide who you are any longer. I mean, Which it's is true. 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 I mean, the Phantom Zone, we've seen the Phantom Zone. It's full of people who are fighters, killers, monsters. And that's what Davis is. But, man, that, that's, a, that's a real bait and switch on Clark's part. I, I mean, I, it I, is, but at the same time, it works. Like He's like, what? World without Chloe? Like, I don't think so. Right? And Clark's like, look, man, she doesn't like you. She just believes in second chances, which I, I don't know. I don't even think the episode knows, honestly. But David tries to pull the whole, like, because you know, Clark was all like, we should have been brothers a couple episodes ago, and they sh- and they show us the picture of Sagith and Naman and trying to act like, yep. that wasn't Lux, that was Davis. That's horrible. That's horrible retcon. <laughs> I hate that. Uh, again, they thought the show was over, and Lex is dead. So they're like, well, I guess we better 
Yeah. I guess yeah, we better change. This. Yeah, that's that was their thinking. <laughs> we gotta fix this. Did you? We hit the where it says she chose to protect me, and uh, you know she doesn't have feelings for you. And uh, David, did you get the line where it says she makes me human? Oh, it's, but it's true. She does. She literally does make him human. So there, there is some good truth dialogue here. Uh, you know, he's just being human. No. There it is. You win. <laughs> well played, sir. Oh. <laughs> Very good. Sam Weber starred in Being Human on the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, I'm about to say, we better clarify that. People are like, what are they talking about? <laughs> well, if you listen to my interview with close personal friend of the podcast, Sam Weber, earlier this season, you would know that. Exactly. So Davis is all like, what, you do this to your Kryptonian brother? And I like how they, they kind of like, on retcon the retcon, Clark's like, I was wrong. <laughs> We're not brothers. Yeah. It's like, okay. Good. I don't hurt you, Davis. That was stupid anyway. He's like, well, good luck. You can't. And this this is where this is where I have the problem here. Like they they wanna do his little preview of like, oh, Clark versus Doomsday, right? So we have him getting mad and the eyes turn red. And then Clark's gonna he has the crystal from season five. It's the blue crystal. It's true, right? He's gonna put it in the console. Davis super speeds over to Clark and stops him. And this is not how his powers have worked up until this point, Tyler. Yeah. I uh I was kind of thrown off guard. I mean, it's just been recently that they've started giving Doomsday like heat vision. In which I also that, do not like, by the way. Um, since they've made him more, you know, a Kryptonian. So, you know, he's had heat vision in animation and in film. I don't think he had heat vision in Krypton the series. Um No, I don't believe so. And I don't I don't like that. I don't want I don't want him to have super speed. I don't want him to have heat vision. Like he is indestructible. Like that's enough. Like, you yeah. know, he's an indestructible destroyer who can rip you apart. He doesn't need to have it's you know, the, beam weapons. It's the slow power that's coming. Like um, so yeah. So I mean, even if you look at that, like just him having his doomsday physical body, the super speed doesn't make sense at all. Um, because if we're looking at it like he's a science experiment, experiment with Kryptonian. So um, if he's going to have super, if they're going to do super speed, it should be something maybe when he's in full doomsday, but he's not like full Kryptonian, you know, as we later have the whole black kryptonite, but you'll get there. So this is very weird. I'm not a fan. It's just, it's just, they, they forgot like what his power set was. You know, I just, I didn't, I didn't like that. Clark throws a punch at Davis here, and that's more punches than he throws at Doomsday during the final fight in the season finale, isn't it? <laughs> he gets punched. He's he Doomsday. does. He does. Uh, th- this is very reminiscent. I mean, to to again reference back to season five and Solitude, where this blue crystal first shows up from Brainiac. This fight is kind of reminiscent of the Brainiac Clark fight in that episode. Uh, again, Brainiac having like super speed and stuff, and I'm still like, well, he's replicating Plutonian. Like, I'm more okay with Brainiac like doing all that stuff. He's a machine. He, yeah, he's a machine that, that replicates things. But I, again, Brainiac, Super Speed, Heat Vision, eh. But in this version, that's what they did. Like, what Davis is doing here is contradicting what they had set up. And that's what's annoying about it, right? So he's getting, like, I don't know, like, we've seen him start to get bony and gray for less things than this. So yeah. I don't know. I would have preferred, I might have looked weird, but maybe some kind of, like, halfway... Transformation. Yeah, if you would have got like the bones up here and up here, like we've seen it over the 
over his hand and like maybe gave him like one hand, like the doomsday and like some teeth and just where he's like trying to hold back. But at the same time, he's, you know, changing and that would have been a much better. If you want to foreshadow the fight, that would have been a much more intense look than somehow I magically now have superpowers. Now, speaking again, in Smallville, the Fisher Magazine, number 33, Sam Whitworth talks about his his doomsday transformations, and he says, quote, You're going to love this, but it required zero effort. It was all done by the digital whiz kids. It was all special effects. The only makeup that I had to put on was them spraying sweat on me. I never had attitude with a makeup artist, but being sprayed down every take wasn't my favorite thing. When it comes to the alternative, which was what Dario had to go through in the doomsday suit, I didn't have to deal with anything. I had a very easy job now he mentions dario uh who is the uh stunt devil dario delasio who plays the the monster doomsday in the suit and there's a whole article on that as well in this magazine we'll get to that in the season finale doomsday we'll, we'll talk about some of that but uh because obviously that's his most featured episode so yeah i mean it's davis with some you know red eyes and some strength and they're just kind of grappling there. And he's like, if I go, I'm taking you with me. Like, he's going to pull Clark into the Phantom Zone as well, which is kind of shows where he is. And Chloe shows up, and she opens up her palm, and she has the octagonal disc, which shows us that's how she got there. She must have gone to the got gone to the book. Don't forget your book. Gotten the disc, gone to the cave, put that key in the slot of the cave, then been transported to the fortress, right? That's... Presumably what yeah. she did, right? Okay. That would take forever. This is like, seriously, like, we're talking, no joke, three hours after Clark and Davis super sped up to the fortress. So that <laughs> breaks the whole time. Like, we're at what day is it? What time is it territory again? <laughs> right? With this. Yeah. Is it is it nitpicky for me to bring this stuff up, Tyler? You tell me. No. Um, you've established things and how they work in the show. Because once you you're getting loose with these rules, these thoughts, and how things work, that you're just you're trying to just invent convenience. You want her there, um, and that's why I said it would have been more interesting if we had had a phone call with Chloe driving. She was already like on her way back to Smallville. She got a phone call from like Oliver, and she learned that Clark had taken Davis, and she just zoomed straight to the caves. That would have been a little bit better. The timing her, still wouldn't work, but it'd been a little more forgivable than like obviously <laughs> several hours and several right. steps that have to take place for her to get where she needs to go, right? If she had already been in Smallville and just maybe like two blocks over, would have helped too. Davis, I'm about to pull up, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? And then she finds Oliver and Jimmy just chained up like that. And they have the same conversation. Or they could have they didn't have to do it the way they did it, is our point, right? Right. You you could have made it more like you that that you really have that ticking clock of her, like Clark sending Davis, you know. So it could have been her. she. It could have been like as Clark leaves, she comes in, right. And, and then it still would have been a slight suspension of disbelief, but it's a way less of a lift than all these things that happen before we catch up with him later. And you have characters with super speed, man. <laughs> like yeah. you, you got to keep that into account, right? They could have done it. Like it's we're not asking some impossible task. I think. I think you nailed it. I think if she was pulling up while while all this was going down, right? I mean, that would have just been great editing if like she pulled up, she got out of a car, she's walking, and then we cut 
to them in the basement. And the tension, then, man, the building. Exactly. That, right. Think like, you know, like Christopher Nolan, man, is the master of like editing and tension. Like think like the dark Knight, all the things like escalating and the intercutting and all that stuff. Like I'm not saying this has to be the dark Knight, but I'm saying like, that's a good blueprint for like, you know, everyone is converging on this location. Is, is she going to make it in time? Is he going to kill him? You know, all these, like, that's the thing, right? Is Davis going to kill Oliver Queen? No. But then is Davis going to kill Jimmy Olsen? Of course not. But then he does. So who knows? But anyway, this is the ultimate betrayal of Clark. This is just like the way she tased Jimmy in the back. Uh, her taking the crystal out of the console here. Ultimate betrayal. And hey, in the good column of continuity, she was there in the fortress when this happened in season five. She saw how this works. So that's how she knows how to undo it. It's just them getting her there was sloppy. But man, this is like, Chloe, this is unforgivable? Yeah. I mean, I really feel like I'm looking forward to rewatching season nine for this thread. For seeing like them seen... repair their relationship after this? Yeah. Like, because usually when I watch, it's like the excitement of Lois getting closer to knowing about Clark and uh zod's entrance and all the kandorians but i'm kind of interested in rewatching season nine to see how the chloe thing comes back around how she gets pulled back into their circle yeah i i know there's tension because she wants clark to use the legion ring to go back in time and save jimmy but beyond that i don't think they i, I don't think they dwell too much on this because usually when they get over like a questionable season finale they're just like yeah we're not gonna I gotta talk about the Teagues anymore. Yeah. <laughs> We're not gonna talk about Davis Bloom, right? Same energy. But her spin here is just the worst. Clark's like accuses her of not trusting him. She's like, trust you. You didn't trust me. And then she's like, You would never forgive yourself for giving up on him. And that's her explanation for like stopping him from sending Davis to the Phantom Zone. I call Total BS on this. Clark is so, like, shocked. I understand why he doesn't, like... You would... I don't know. Like, obviously, he has super speed and superpowers, and I guess he could have done something. But, like, he's so shocked by the betrayal here of his best friend. Like, I I believe him just kind of, like, standing there and yeah. not being able to do anything, right? I I agree. He, he is hurt. And, I mean, I, you can look at Chloe being the person he's trusted more than anybody. Um, and there you have it. Like she just completely shoved everything in his face. And now, Tyler, is this the first time we see someone use the octagonal disc to do the reverse teleportation from the fortress? Because it's something we've always talked about. We're like, okay, you put the key in the slot, right, and in, in the cave, and, and, and then you, you show go. up in the fortress. Are you holding on to the key? Does the key go with you? Well, obviously the key goes with you because we see it here. I think so. Like, I don't remember because... But think about Arrival, right? Chloe's there. Clark super speeds her back. Well, that I guess Arrival's a little different because he didn't, he didn't use the disc. It was the actual... He grabbed the, the crystal that teleported him. That's a little different because I just think of him super speeding back from yeah. the fortress. It's interesting because you, it, it would only be logical for it to work both ways, right? Right. But this is the first time we ever see. It's actually a nice little directorial thing. Like they, they dolly the camera past a pillar, you know, in the fortress, and then they, there's a big flashlight, and Chloe and Davis are gone. But this is could this be the only time we see this? It very well may be. 
I'm gonna keep my eyes out for it. <laughs> so we'll keep an eye on the rest. I if I had to call it, I would probably say it's the only time to do it because that's the. But but then Clark, I mean, he knows where that takes them. Like he could super speed back to the cave, but I again, I think he's just so shocked by everything. You know. He, he yeah. I mean, he's shocked and hurt, and he said it's the ultimate betrayal. Yeah. He's, just, he's frozen in his footsteps. It is. But then we get to Jimmy at Oliver's office and. Oliver's looking something on his laptop. I don't know what it is. Are we to assume it's something about Jimmy slash Henry James Olsen? Because he's kind of like smiling. And then he, he has a line about uh, there's a little more than what he puts on his resume. Yeah. Right? It's something about a background check. Or now, something? is this about him being rich and buying the Watchtower? I, I would suspect. So they did have some, you know, we were joking about them not knowing what they were doing with Jimmy and thinking this was setting up next season. Maybe they weren't. Maybe this is all just a giant red herring. Um, but that's what I took from it. Like it he did a little research there. Cause we have a shut that laptop plus one because Oliver shuts that laptop on him. So just not Lex's laptop now. It's all the laptops. So it is, it is Lex's laptop because it's Luther Corp property. <laughs> not that that's that even really counts. Weird. We count all the laptops. We get a good call there, but, but, um, they, they get beat. They say beast again, right? They both say beast. And Oliver's, he's again harping on this this addiction thing. He's like, you know, maybe it's not the beast out there you need to worry about. It's the beast in here. And that's it's a good line, right? Because he's talking about the, the addiction that Jimmy is dealing with. Mm-hmm. So, again, of course, Jimmy wants to know, like, what's the deal with the beast? And Oliver's like, I got people on it. Like, people on it. Who are, but, you know, he's a billionaire. He doesn't know he's Green Arrow, but he knows he's a billionaire and he has resources out there looking for Chloe and stuff. Um, but then Oliver gives him $600. And it's a paycheck. What do you think of this whole thing? We we talked about it briefly off the top, but what, what what do you think here, Tyler? One, I mean, it's not a horrible paycheck, but is that for forty hours? Uh, for a day? Uh, for two days? How much work? It's just an advance. Like you know what I'm saying? Like here's the fix your car, Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy did have another line that made me laugh. He's like, "Are there twelve steps attached to it?" <laughs> I just want to know what job is Jimmy getting exactly? Uh, assi- uh, assistant. You know, but, well, basically he says like, there's more to, you know, there's more to your story than you write on your cover letter and something about basically like he was a hero, right? In the moment there and that kind of inspired Oliver to kind of see that there was more to him than meets the eye. And, you know, that, that, that's kind of where they leave it. Right. So, and I think, you know, it's the whole like teach a man to fish thing with Jimmy going on here. Right. Yeah. Maybe Oliver, it would have been cool because it wants someone he can trust around him and build up like an assistant or something like, I don't know. It could have been interesting. We'll never know. Yeah, it would have been different for Jimmy Olsen, but considering what they end up doing with him on the show and considering the kind of jobs that Lois Lane had over the years, it's like, sure, he can do this for a while before he goes back and works as a photographer at the Daily Planet. Like, but, but no, Oliver gets some credit. He, he tells him that he figured out Davis was a killer. Right before yeah. everyone else did, and he confronted him a few episodes ago by himself, and that took courage, right? So that's kind of where he is. And I, it's good life advice, right? Because Jimmy's like, "Look, my life is just the worst right now." And Oliver says, "If you don't like it, change it." Yeah, simple. I got you a job. Yeah, I mean, simple. But... I got you a job. Schedule, you know, set up. You need, you know, get your car fixed and get you a place to stay. Yeah. And, and again, though, I still got the impression, as we talked about off the top, I got the impression this was setting up, like, these guys for next season. I, 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 that's the vibe I get from this scene. Maybe, maybe that's not the case. 
Maybe it was a red herring. Maybe it was unintentional. But that's the vibe I got from this whole, like, okay, Oliver's going to help Jimmy get his life back together. This is going to be an ongoing plot instead of he's dead in two episodes. So Yeah. That's what happens when you love with the wrong woman. You get killed. <laughs> Marrying you was the worst mistake of my <laughs> life, he said a couple episodes ago. Blue shirt, red jacket, plus one. Unfortunately, Clark has hung up the blue jacket wearing a red jacket now. Uh, he is at ISIS, and he's going through the computers and looking for Chloe and things. And Oliver shows up, and uh, he's... Man, they they choose Oliver to just be so judgmental to Clark sometimes. He's like, oh, you're wasting your time, Clark, but I guess that's what you do best, huh? <laughs> Oliver's... He's... I, I think it comes from a point where he expects more from Clark. He wants more from Clark because he knows Clark can give more. And also maybe a slight, just a little bit of jealousy because Oliver was, you know, he had some of the ability Clark had and he could do more himself. No, I, I agree with all that. It's, I always think of rage, the, the Miracu episode where he's like, I got to worry about staying alive. And he crushes that glass in his pants. You know, it's true. There, there, there must be a certain level of envy from him. He's greed with envy because he's the green era. Look at yeah. that. Exactly. Um, but Clark is just Clark is in denial about this. He cannot believe Chloe would do this, right? And he he thinks like, oh, maybe he's, he's affecting her mind somehow. Like he he's trying to justify because he can't he can't reconcile what happened with the person he knows. And I get it, right? Because this is way this is way out of character, right? For for, for Chloe, the Chloe we know, right? And but Oliver again, he uses this as a as a chance to kind of preach to Clark. He's like, people change, Clark. Maybe it's time he did too. And then they clash about the, you know, killing or not killing. And, you know, it's about doing the greater good. That's what heroes do. And this, this is where, and I, I don't remember. Is it not until the finale that Clark f- finds out that Oliver killed Lex? Because I don't rewatch the end of season eight very often, y'all. <laughs> I was expecting it here, honestly. I was expecting Oliver to say, you know what? I kill Lex for the greater good. And you should kill Doomsday, right? This would have been a good opportunity for him, I think. Yeah, this is when it happens because I think it's what kind of pushes Clark in the other direction, not wanting to kill him. Yeah, because he's because that's when because I know we get the line here because yeah, it is because we get the line later where he's like, he's not one of us anymore. Mm, I do remember that. That's we talking to the Justice League. Yeah, and the and Doomsday. Okay, that's right. I don't want I don't want to steal. Like I said, I want to steal no one's thunder. But yeah, <laughs> it is right in there. Okay, that that must be all in the in the finale there. So anyway, but then uh, Oliver leaves and Clark looks over that that high school photo of Clark and Chloe, and the song comes back, the song from the beginning of the episode, uh, and I did Smallville it, it rarely did this with the whole like book ending with the same song, but it it worked here, you know. It's well, I mean, technically it works because. The song at the beginning was kind of the dream. Mm. And this is the reality. It'd be interesting if you could find a song to kick off and start with that you have the original, like play at the beginning and then like a cover at the end. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that you're kind of changing the perspective of the song, like a, a darker version or something, you know? Like, <clears throat> and that, that might be too expensive for. <laughs> Especially Smallville, especially at this point. But no, I, I see your point. I, I like the whole like the romantic fantasy and then like the harsh reality of of what's actually here happening at the end. And um, 
Clark gets a call from a blocked number. Of course, it's Chloe, and and of course he he answers it. I mean, yeah, all of us would just be like voicemail. Yeah, <laughs> that's the difference between 2009 and today. It's like, nope, not answering. Back that. then, we're like, oh sweet, someone's calling my cell phone. Yeah, my cell now phone. we're like, shut up, man! Don't <laughs> Another marketing call. I swear. I saw some. Uh, I saw some meme or uh, message on Instagram or something. It was. It's ironic that the generation that grew up having fun prank calling people was tormented every day by <laughs> telemarketing phone calls. I'm like, that's so true. That's us, man. So, But uh, Chloe has this line to Clark, and she says, quote, everything I've ever done, right or wrong, I did for you. Like, God, Chloe. Like, I, d- I don't buy your justification. Her justification, and I think this is what we're supposed to believe, and tell me if I'm wrong, like, she is so convinced that by staying with Dave, like like staying and protecting and helping Davis deal with his issue will save Clark. That's why she's doing it. That's what they want us to think, right? Yeah. And my thing is, she's so worried about um, Davis killing Clark. I mean, that's what the opening was about. That's her fear is Davis will kill Clark, that she's trying to protect Clark. And... Well, the Phantom Zone would have done it. My thought, once again, I think if you had done something where it's kind of like one of those um, she takes the crystal or something from Clark and she's the one that tries to send Davis to the Phantom Zone. So she's taking the burden off of Clark actually doing it. You know, it would have been a much more impactful thing because this is just kind of stupid. (laughs) This, You know, because she's saying, Clark, I'm trying to protect you. And she knows, like, she can't do this. She knows that this isn't really protecting Clark. It's just delaying the inevitable. But I can understand where she was trying to keep Clark from actually being the one responsible for sending him to the Phantom Zone. So if it had been something where she actually tried to send Davis to the Phantom Zone and it didn't work, would have, you know, made it a little bit better. Or we That would have made sense. She's the- like, Clark, I know you're not going to kill him, and you're not going to do this or that, so I had to make their hard choice and do this thing, right? Maybe it backfired somehow, and maybe Doomsday got out of the Phantom Zone. I don't know, right? Maybe you do. Maybe that's like an episode a few episodes ago where they send him, they think of the, 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 the threat is over, but then somehow Tess uses that orb, and he comes out of it, right? You know, and he's, I mean, he's Doomsday. So, I don't know. Something like, or, you know, Chloe stole the crystal at, because she was going to take it, because she didn't want Clark to do it, but they never made it to the fortress. Yeah, I, I just know. they're we, just spitballing here. There are like five other ways they could have played this out without having such a bad look for her, and 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 for us to believe, like even Clark's like Chloe, it's okay if you have feelings for him. She's like, oh no, no, we're just friends. <laughs> she says, now I can save you. Yeah, she's like, th- no matter all the meteor rocks I've thrown over the years, I've never really saved you, but but now I can. And, and it's like, no, Clark's like, no, 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 no much, don't do this. That would be a much better line if she had said that, and then she took like the crystal and shoved it and it opened the Phantom Zone, and she jumped in, and Davis followed her, oh. or something. You know what I'm saying? And then the whole thing is that was her sacrifice. That Clark has to decide that he's going to go into the Phantom Zone to get Chloe that, out. That is the season finale. But, but I guess she already did that with him in the going to the Phantom Zone. Man, come on! Like you know how the show works. That's <laughs> right. It's like, oh, they did it before. They would never do something more than once on this show. We're <laughs> three times. I I think just spitballing here. We've already come up with better, just plot lines. Because really, though, I think. This is the worst plot line in the series. 
I'm not just talking about your one-off episodes. I'm talking about like continuous subplots that go on multiple episodes. I, I think it's really Chloe is, trying to protect Davis. Yeah, I, it's worse than the Lexana pregnancy because that's another one that comes to mind. Uh, I'm just this is just such it destroys it literally destroys the character of Jimmy, and then it like morally destroys the character of Chloe, and I just do not like it. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it's like it's weird it's like it's like a love triangle where no one is in love with each other except for davis right because you know the way that they're talking on the phone and she has to say goodbye and some heavy language man in, in this uh and then and then when she hangs up on him like the, the anger it's really cool like he just like crushes the file cabinet right there i'm like yeah that's some that's some raw emotion there from from clark which we which we rarely see uh and then davis comes out of this convenience store he gives her a heart lollipop yeah, he's all happy. Like he got what he he wanted. He thought that's what she wanted. Yeah, and even like even she's like goes around in the car. She's like, oh god, you can tell that she's like, she's scared, worried, freaked out. Yeah, you think? I mean, but I but I don't know what we're supposed to think. Like I I just I don't buy that Chloe had no other options than to do this, and that's what the show has to make you think in order to not be like Chloe, you're the worst. I I just kind of feel like. If you were to take the Phantom Zone part out of this episode and build that to like the next episode or something, because I I don't remember exactly the next episode. I just, I remember the next episodes because I feel like when you put that in there, it makes the ending of this even less believable. Like if she had just left with Davis and done, like if she had done something dastardly to like set up the Justice League or. She trapped Clark and but knew, and then tipped off Oliver where he was, and Oliver saved Clark from like a kryptonite cage or something stupid like that. Um, so she could get away with Davis would be much better than the whole not Phantom Zone thing. Yeah, I'm just I mean, you know what? I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Just disappointed in you, Chloe. I thought the more we break it down, the more sad we get. I just the more we break it down, the more like logical, completely reasonable alternatives are coming out with. <laughs> it's just disappointing. You hate to see that because this, these are characters we've liked and loved Chloe for eight years on this show, seven and a half, I guess. <laughs> you know, up to, up to this nonsense, and just to see her do to see her do these things. Um, it's well, I mean, in a sense, we're feeling like what Clark's feeling. Like we feel betrayed because we're like, Chloe, we were with you. We've been there since the beginning. And it's like, you're going to treat us treating our boy Clark like that. Yeah, that's right. I dare you, Chloe. <laughs> exactly. So there you go. The episode ends and Davis and Chloe drive off to live happily ever after. And we never see Chloe again. <laughs> I mean, that'd be kind of awesome. Like if that's how it ended. <laughs> that like, would be interesting. Sh- Mid mid part of season nine, she just shows back up, and he's doomsday like, now, right? And then she's yeah. running from. Oh, dude! <laughs> this again, we are just completely coming up with better plot lines. I mean, if you you could have almost ended like built this up a little bit more and made this your season finale. If you <laughs> no, for real, if you have a real fight between Clark and Doomsday in the fortress, and it's contained there in the fortress, right? So you don't have to worry about budgets and things. And you just figure out something to do with Lois, because she's not in this episode, figure out something to do with her. Oliver has set Jimmy on the right path. And then you need Tess to do something as well. So there's a Tess-Lois subplot you insert into this episode. 
You have a real doomsday fight. You cut out the dream sequence. Look at us, look at us, man. <laughs> we got this. Now, how easy it is for us to sit here 20 years later, right? With no pressure, no deadlines. No, oh, this episode has to come out tomorrow, y'all. <laughs> Get it together. Didn't have to come with 21 other stories, right? We have the hindsight. We don't have to worry about like like studio interference or actors preferences or anything like that. I understand how easy it is for us to sit here and do this, but it's still fun. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I anytime I have like a reef pitch, sometimes it's so obvious. You're like, okay, you could have just done this kind of like compressing and cutting out that scene. And other times, yeah, we just have fun talking about it. The Superman legend begins in a place called Smallville. You ever feel like your life was supposed to be something different? Secrets. I don't want any record that I was here. Loyalty. I never bet against Clark Kent. Betrayal. What do you want? The world, Mrs. Kent. Destiny. Maybe it's time I stop running from who I really am. Clark Kent, will you marry me? Now you can own every action-packed episode. Doomsday is coming. Plus never-before-seen bonus features. Smallville, old season eight on Blu-ray and DVD. Beast got a 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb. And Neil Bailey from the Superman homepage gave it a one out of five. Yeesh. No surprise there. Neil's been getting some pretty harsh scores. And I understand. I understand where he's come from in this episode. But on the letter grade scale, Tyler, what would you give Beast? I think it's weird because everything we said about if I just watched this episode, I think I would give it higher, but knowing where the rest of it goes, I'd have to go to C. Yeah. It's like, it's like I said, it, it's <laughs> even though it's these like, are frustrating, like they, it, there is enjoyable moments here. Like I enjoyed seeing Clark bust in here and, and go, kick davis's ass or almost try to right i enjoyed oliver's whole vibe this episode right now chloe frustrated no end but i agree it was like there's a lot of there's entertaining stuff here still even though it's so frustrating sometimes you know, so if, if, yeah i i go with a c um and i think a part of that all leads to like we've said i feel like they're setting stuff up they're building for something that never happens yeah, I... with the Jimmy and Oliver stuff, it's like, hey, this is our new our new thing where these characters are going to go. No, with the Chloe's bad decisions, you're just kind of like, wow, like that would be really like if this like if this was the finale in a sense, I'd be like, dang, okay, it's a little bit stronger. But <laughs> it, it could be know. like if 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 Smallville was like if they understood they were going to have like five seasons, like it was no question. Right. It was like they're we're coming back and there's going to be more like this could be like the forest season finale. So, for example, you know, what I mean, like mm-hmm. you could not end like in today's world. You could probably if you if you if you, uh, you know, punch up a lot of this episode, you could kind of end it in a spot like that. Listen, I'll act like it's a season finale, but still bear with it, sir. You could act like it was a, like a, a season finale. But then knowing for sure you were coming back and have these same actors and characters and then season like your fifth season is like the doomsday fight or something. I think you guys know what I'm talking about. Like in today's age, they could pull this off. Uh, yeah. not on the CW in 2009. That's not how TV operated. So, uh, but all, all that, all that being said, man, 
C for you. I'm going to have to go with C- for myself. So yeah, I can't, I can't disagree. Which is actually, you know, for as much as being tearing this episode apart, I think we were pretty generous in our, <laughs> in our scores, right? I think, I think because you get a, a good performance from Sam of just you, being like, uh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And I, I like him and I you like You do his, feel I sorry like, for him a little bit, you know? Yeah, but then you also start to see like, nah, Davis himself is not right. Well, even when he's like, no, Khalil, I have to be together. Right? It's like, dude, <laughs> chill. But no, Sam Weber really holds this whole thing together. And uh, it's frustrating to watch. There is, it's compelling, at least from his side of things. Yeah. You get his side. <laughs> it's just Chloe's side. You're like, what? So there you have it, right? C minus for you. C for me. Let's go to the tally board. We have plus one for blue shirt, red jacket. That brings us to 88. We have a plus one for episode title said an episode several times, by the way. That brings us to 69. We have a plus one for hospital visit because presumably Jimmy is being carted off to the hospital because he's in pretty bad shape. Uh, that brings us to 133. The plus one for knockout to keep Clark's secret because Jimmy gets knocked out before Clark super speeds in and fights Davis a little bit in the basement there. That brings us to 53. And finally, we have a plus one for shut that laptop because Oliver shuts his laptop when Jimmy comes in to talk to him. That brings us to 32. And Bechtel tests fail because yeah. Chloe is the there's only no, yeah, female so in no this other. episode. Come on, Chloe. Every Everything she talks about is like Davis, but there's no other females in the episode. And there you so. have it. That is Beast. Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Did you ever watch that show with Kristen Kirk? Um, no. I did not either. I watched the old one with Ron Perlman. Ron, Ron Perlman and Lila Hamilton, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I I, um, that, I have a I have like a vague childhood memory of that show existing. Oh, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what it was about. I just I remember it. It was like, just on television. On. It was pop culture yeah. when we were kids. Yeah. Like I saw like magazine co- covers and posters about it. So I, I love Lila Hamilton. I mean, I love the Terminator movies and all that. So I, I I just remember him being underground in a cave, and his name was Vincent. My mom watched it. And that's yeah. all I remember. Line face beast. That's that's yeah. that was cool practical makeup. Ron Perlman. I mean, what a, what a king of practical makeup to an actor who performs at it. So straight up, got mad respect for Ron Perlman. Yeah, because you know, just shout out to Ron Perlman here. Just I remember reading a thing about um, he did a make a wish for a kid who wanted to meet Hellboy, and he oh, went through the whole yeah. he went through the whole process. And this is full bu- after full the movies. Bodies. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a movie in production. He's not walking there from the set. He just went from scratch. Yeah, he went and got the whole makeup done and went and did this kid's Make-A-Wish. Yeah. And that that's dope. Now, Ron, Ron Perlman, hey, talk about, I mean, he would have been probably too big of a name, but Lobo on Smallville? There's my choice, Ron Perlman. I don't know. Would he be too big of a name? Because he is one of those like character actors. You know, he's kind of like a, a Rucker Howard or a... He's like that know. one step above, like... If he showed up on TV, you wouldn't be surprised. But he would he be a big get. I think he'd be like a like a Dolph Lundgren on Arrow. That would be like a Ron Perlman on, yeah. on Smallville. So that's that's my choice, by the way. If they ever had Lobo on the show, the episode would have, of course been called Lobo, right? Hopefully. Hopefully. Or they give us some stupid name. I was thinking made man, but that's two it's two words. So you can't do it. <laughs> but but what is more nineties in the character of Lobo? And so I feel like Ron Perlman really could have done a great job. 
I mean, with him on Smallville because he was, you know, obviously he'd been older than everybody on the show, but not that much older in, you know, in, in 2007 or whatever. And then they would have brought him on. So anyway. make up stunt double. What a, what a tangent that was. But, you know, he was the, uh, you know, Tom Hardy was the bad guy in Star Trek Nemesis. Played Captain Picard's clone Shinzon, his right hand man, the Reman, the head Reman, played by Ron Perlman. Yep. And crazy like vampire makeup, by the way, <laughs> I might add. So anyway, it hashtag was. it's all connected. But there you go. Missed opportunity, Smallville. Should have gave Ron Perlman a call. Maybe he could have played Dark Side in season 10. But that's his own conversation. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there, y'all. But there you go, man. That is our conversation on Beast and Tyler. It is fun as always. If people want to find you out there online, man, where can they find you? Um, just find me on Twitter, Facebook. I'm I have an Instagram, but I barely ever post. It's just stuff from Facebook that I'm highly active on Twitter for the Krypton Report podcast. We cover all things DC, you know, with a core strong Superman, you know, belief system. That's that's where our heart is. Alrighty, well. We'll be back next time talking about Injustice. That's right, the Injustice League. Do you remember who's in the Injustice League on Smallville, Tyler? Just off the top of your head? Toy Man? No. See, I don't remember. Well, (laughs) you're thinking season 10 now. Because that's where my mind goes. Like, he goes to that scene that was like, Are you telling me Smallville would do something more than once? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) No, uh, Parasite. Oh, and uh, Plastique. Plastique and... Um, crap. Nope, can't remember. Live oh, wait, wait. wire. Live wire. Yeah, I was. It was starting to come to me. I was like, wait, wait, wait. And I'll because... tell you this: from my memory, there's a reason you don't remember uh, live wire or parasite for that matter. And you know why I remember plastique? Because she she's Dora on Flash. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, she was in an earlier episode of the. I mean, she had an episode of Plastique, right? I mean, she was a guest star on the show. These other characters, they just come up out of nowhere for some reason. Shadow Thief who was in Prey, who was recruited, does not show up. I don't know why he's not there. But The guy that plays Parasite, though, he's one of those really good character actors you see pop up in everything. He always plays a good, broken psychopath. Well, we'll do Supernatural, season two. We'll do our normal uh, INDB deep dive on on them next time. But yeah, there you go. That's who to look forward to fighting Clark Kent in the next episode. But until then, always hold on to small Always Hold On to Smallville is part of the Always Hold On to network of podcasts and brought to you by listeners like you. Chris Fuchs, Kevante Chillis, Darren Kirscht, Joy Deanberg, JJ Hodges, DJ Duina, Isaiah Goodridge, Forrest Yeznes, Corey Moore, Nathan Rothatcher, Thomas Navin, Andrew Parker, James Bandini II, Adam Sullins, Mark Itzfoppen, Patricia Carrillo, Michael Harford, Jim Crawford, Alex Ramsey, Megan Rich, Marie Humphrey, Alex Hamilton, Matt Douglas, Nathan McKenzie, Jason Skipper, Steve Rogers, Latif Sheik, Molly Ficarella, John Curcio, Dylan D'Antonio, James Lee, Joe Michael, Jason Davis, Patrick Bravo, 
Jacob Stevenart, Danabias, Crystal Dudgeon, Tay Tay, Onyx, Bennett Ferguson, Nick Ryan Magdoza, Eddie Bissell, Jim Thomas, Clunk Kant, John Lloyd, Stephanie Ronsley, John Long, Ruth Ann Cruz, Nicholas Coso, Jared Gibbs, Anthony Anderson, Jazza McGelly, Keith Falls, Rob O'Connor, James Hart, Anthony Desiato, Crystal Cross, Jake C., Troy Langlos, and John Switzer. Thank you so much to all these patrons, and you too can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash alwaysmallville with one S. Hope to see you there. Always Well Into Smallville's theme music is by Lance Laster, and our podcast art is by Tom Gerke. You can follow us on Twitter at alwaysmallville with one S. You can find us on Facebook at Always Hold On To Smallville, and you can send us an email at alwaysmallville at gmail.com, once again, with one S. Thanks for listening.